Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my good friend, Paul Hart, of the Apple Two Oranges podcast. What's up, dude? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. <laughs> I got through your show name very robotic there, but I'm pretty sure I didn't fuck it up. <laughs> no, I think it's been me fucking that show up for a while. <laughs> I know the last episode of PCL, Brian was giving you a healthy dose of shit about it, but, but it sounds like you've you've got stuff moved over to your new hosting site and you're just kind of waiting for, for all your co-hosts to not be under the weather. And also, I mean, we're, as we're recording this right now, it's December 23rd. So we're right up on Christmas. Uh, yeah. But, but it sounds like people are going to be able to be listening to some new apple to oranges podcasts coming up pretty soon. Yeah. I think the plan is we're going to do a full season three review of mythic quest. Oh, fantastic. I think I'm one, maybe two, episodes into the new season oh their newest episode was a gut punch this morning man dude that show can do that sometimes that's like when when i think back on the first two seasons of mythic quest which i absolutely loved i loved the first two seasons such great characters in it um i think in both of them the flashback episodes were the ones that really blew me away and in the first season the flashback episode you're like who the fuck are these people but yeah, it had nothing a, to do with the... It had nothing to do with anything, and it was such a great, like, seemingly complete story as well. And, and the way that they tied it in with what... Um, gosh, I'm, I'm totally blanking on the main characters' names, too. Uh, who's the dude? Ian and Poppy? Yes, Ian and Poppy. The way that Ian is, like, kind of explaining it to Poppy, like, these are the initials of, the, you know, the first people that were here. He... You know, he he screwed her over and fucked everything up, and I'm not going to do that. And, like, I just thought it was brilliant the way that they wrapped it into the, the ongoing narrative. And then in the second season, the flashback with... Um, um, Longbottom or whatever. <laughs> yes. CW Longbottom. <laughs> CW's character. It's terrible. Because I'm thinking of him, of course, from the portrayal he did on season two of The Lotus. Um, oh, I'm having a serious case of the forgetsies though. What's that that actor's name? Uh, F. Murray Abraham. Yes. Oh my God, that guy's brilliant. And I absolutely loved him in the first two seasons. And kind of tragic we're not getting him anymore in season three. But I think it's because of Moon Knight, right? He was a Moon Knight, right? He did, but it was just voiceover work that he did. But I think it. Was, I think the main reason was the White Lotus. Okay, that would make sense. And I, yeah, dude, dude. All right, like, do you? So there was a lot of shocking things that happened in the White Lotus, right? Oh yeah, yeah. In do you know two. what? Do you know what the most shocking thing for me was? <laughs> What's that? In the White Lotus was after every episode, they kind of have like a behind the scenes where they take two actors from the episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I caught some of those. Okay, the last one they talked to the showrunner. He is the showrunner. Is oh, the yeah, boyfriend in... of Sarah Silverman in School of Rock? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm like, Mike, this guy? Is it Mike White? Mike White, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How come <laughs> him and Jack Black haven't made a movie yet? Oh, no kidding. Oh, wait, no, School of Rock. Well, you know, since. <laughs> <laughs> but now, it'd be, wouldn't it be great to sit like... Okay, okay, am I, am I just crazy here, but could you put Jack Black in season three of White Lotus? <laughs> or yeah. is he too nutty? Uh, he, no, I don't think so. Here's this is the dream crossover I want now. Do you watch the show Succession? Uh no, but I'm kind of just a, aware of it like peripherally. I want the Logan family to go on vacation to a White Lotus. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, because that would be the type of 
of people that would do that, right? That this is like a super wealthy family that could go on this extravagant vacation style thing where seemingly all the people who check into these hotels are leading very hollow lives and shit goes sideways while they're there. Oh my god! Okay, there were so many hated people in the second season, right? Who oh did you hate gosh, the most? Right? Who did? Because I hated that fucking uh, can't like uh, Cameron. Yeah, is is that the guy with like the blonde wife that just yes. is a piece of shit? Yeah, Cameron, I fucking Cameron's hated the that piece guy of shit guy. Too. Yeah. Oh no, I absolutely hated Cameron. But and, I and you were supposed two, to. Uh, <laughs> I love the two sex workers. Oh, oh, they yeah, they were kind of the breakout stars of that season. I thought. That, you oh. know, at the end of the day, those were the ones that you were really rooting for is the, you know, the people that are more blue collar in the show. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I am kind of glad to see a couple actors from the 90s kind of have like a resurgence this year, like Paul Reiser, for sure, from Reboot and 30 other things. But like Michael Imperioli, who played F. Murray Abraham's son. In the White Lotus, he was Chrissy in Sopranos. He's in a Hulu show, show, shoe show called This Fool. <laughs> like, are you having a stroke? <laughs> Maybe. I'm gonna text you my address in case paramedics need to come out. But like, I love seeing Michael Imperioli. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. I, I never, I, you know, I just caught odd episodes of Sopranos here and there if I was hanging out with a friend that was watching it. I've never watched the entire series, but I'm definitely familiar with with that actor. And yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's he's so good. He is. Man, I get so sick of people that say there's nothing good on TV today. Oh, you can't say that in 2022. There's just you're not, too much fucking good shit. That's like a whole new type of lazy. I get it. You might have your like comfort sleepy time shows or fold the laundry shit, but. You can't say there's just crap being made. And if you're saying that you're just watching like Bravo. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I was like, you're just watching like fucking network television. Like, like my favorite shows, The Big Bang Theory. And it's like, wow, you've got, <laughs> it's like branch out a little bit. There's a my... whole world of brilliant flavors out there. You're talking about vanilla right now. Uh, but, but again, my sleepy time show is The West Wing right now. <laughs> See, and that's another one that I've heard was brilliant, and I've seen clips of, but I never watched that show. First four seasons were amazing. <laughs> that's with um, with Martin Sheen as the president, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I I remember it. I I lived through it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's such a good show. It was an Aaron Sorkin show, and then he left after season four, and it went. <laughs> no, go figure. <laughs> Dude, the one that, that I'm doing a rewatch of right now with my wife is Severance. And we're about halfway through halfway through oh, that, that first season. Yeah. Man, that show is so good. That show fucking wild, dude. Yeah, really, really excellent on a rewatch, too. Oh, so, yeah. There's so many more little details to pick up along the way. It's funny. Whenever my kids ask for a waffle, like for waffles for breakfast, I just kind of... <laughs> I just kind of like freak out for a second. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Dude, the, what the fuck is up with the waffle party? Like the first part of the waffle party makes sense. I mean, it's a little weird. Okay, yeah, you're going to go into the replicant, the, 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 what, the, the rep, what's the word I'm looking for? The like replicated house of the first CEO and like sit and eat waffles. And then like a bunch of fucking weirdness that happens after that that I was just not prepared for. 
It's like an eyes wide shut fucking waffle party. Totally weird with like paper mache heads. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? (laughs) Dude, the thing I was telling Lindsay last night or yesterday when we were watching it was that the show, it like puts me in the same frame of mind that, that the show Lost did, where it's like it presents you with this very intriguing scenario and just spoon feeds you just little bits of info at a time. And when it does get around to answering a question for you on the way to answering that question, it'll give you three more questions to ponder. And, uh, and it had such a brilliant finale in that first season. Like I just absolutely adore severance and it's right there. It's just another show on Apple TV plus that just makes it worth the price of admission. There's just so many high quality shows on that streamer that it's one to where, you know, if, if you, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, well, I don't have Apple TV plus just get it for like a month. Like, I mean, just off the top of my head, there's, there's mythic quest. There's Ted Lasso, uh, for all mankind severance, Acapulco trying slow horses. So many very, very good series on that app. They really, really go for, for quality, like over, Quality over quantity, I guess, is is kind of the name of the game with Apple TV Plus, because yeah, it's it, like, it's like you're not getting flooded with content on it, but the content that they do have is so good. No, and it's crazy because now Apple TV Plus, like their interface has kind of changed. Where you go to like the Apple TV section, they got like a top fifteen now of like, you know, these are the top fifteen things being watched on. Apple TV. I mean, I think they only have 17 things in general. <laughs> but like they're even starting to have little subcategories now like dramas, comedies, movies. It's like, okay, cool. And I see like they got some kind of deal with a couple movie studios. You can watch a lot of the Mission Impossible movies on there now. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they're starting to branch out that way. Dude, I'm due to do a rewatch of all those because I have not seen the most recent couple. And I have only seen one Mission Impossible. No shit? What was it, the first one? The very first one. Wow, you never watched any of the others. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I just never had the urge to go see it. <laughs> well, that's kind of where I was with like the James Bond movies. Like I watched GoldenEye, and I don't think I've watched a single Bond movie since. Oh, I don't know why, it's just like a total blind spot for me. I've never seen any of the ones with, um, with Benoit Blanc. Oh, uh, he's a great James Bond, but he's he's an even better Benoit Blanc. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Jesus. And we got we got that opened up now. We got we got a wide open hole for James Bond. That sounded really bad, but we have uh, <laughs> He's like just the way I like it. <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery is like you know, fucking breaking news. Sean Connery just arose from the dead to slap a woman. Oh no. <laughs> Great actor, terrible human being. <laughs> Sometimes a woman wants to take it there and give her a little slap. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Dude, who was that who was that one actress? Was it like Tippy Hebr uh I think she was in The Bird. She did like a movie with him. And it was just, she said it was the worst experience of all time. I think it was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's fucking wild, dude. I, I, I've never understood the concept of like, 
Like, I'm just going to slap the shit out of this person because they're not behaving the way I want them to. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, it, it seems kind of wild. Like, that's a that's a crazy version of the world. And I'm, I tend to, to be more of a treat others the way you want to be treated. And it's like, well, I don't want somebody else laying hands on me. So I'm kind of glad that rule doesn't apply. I feel like I'd be getting the shit slapped out of me on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it, um, have you seen that fan theory that Michael Bay confirmed that in his, like, because he, he didn't have the rights, but he definitely wrote The Rock as, like, a sequel to James Bond. And that's oh, why that's he casted Sean, that's why he casted Sean Connery is that in his mind, The Rock is a James Bond sequel set like 20 years after. I like peak. that. I <laughs> fucking love that so much. <laughs> I love that I movie. Love it, man. Dude, The Rock is fantastic. I was talking about that last week. With, <laughs> I was talking about that last week with Clayton. Oh, I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I'll take <laughs> pleasure in gutting you, boy. <laughs> Great fucking movie. That's man. fucking excellent, dude. Yeah. Um Oh yeah, dude. The Rock. Wow. I should go back and rewatch that sometime. I I'm I've got this I know one of the last times that we were on vacation because it, we were in a hotel room somewhere, and you know how when you're in a hotel room you're just kind of forced to watch whatever's on. Yeah. And and I'm pretty sure The Rock was on. And so I was telling my kids, I was like, leave it. Do not change it. Watch this movie. It's good. And somehow it ended up getting changed. I'm like, I can't believe you guys fucking changed it. Fucking. I, w- I want to <laughs> watch that movie now under the lens of thinking it's a James Bond sequel. Oh, it totally works. Because, I mean, like, especially at the end, doesn't he have, like, foot, like, doesn't he have, like, uh, film of, like, Kennedy being shot or something? Like, James Bond would have that. Well, yeah, because he, he was accused of in the, in the, in that movie, his character was accused of stealing a microfilm from, I think, J. Edgar Hoover that had dirt on, like, everybody. And so, like, they mentioned, you know, like, the the truth behind the JFK assassination, the truth behind the alien landings at Roswell. Like, they list off a couple examples. And at the end of the movie, when, you know, spoiler alert for a 90s action flick, <clears throat> when they steal that that leg off that was a pew in a church and then he's looking through it like one of the last lines in the film is like do you want to know who really killed kennedy james bond would have like james bond would be able to get that shit so it makes sense oh for sure (laughs) no it (laughs) totally works handling people that's what's so beautiful about that theory is that it absolutely fucking works in the context of of his character shit now dude now it even makes more sense like uh, do you want spoilers for No Time to Die? I mean, yeah, I don't care. Okay, so James Bond in the movie before No Time to Die, uh, which I believe was Spectre, he he pretty much leaves to be with a girl, finds out that this girl is the daughter of Christoph Waltz, so he leaves her, and then No Time to Die takes place five years the movie starts that way and then it's like a five year jump and we find out that this girl had a baby and she's a daughter at the end you find out it's James Bond's daughter and the movie ends with James Bond quote unquote sacrificing himself and he dies but we never see the body and the rock is Sean Connery trying to reconnect 
with a daughter he abandoned years ago. So I'm just that saying. Right. I'm just fucking saying, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's excellent. Man, dude, the way it's going now, they're going to have like, I feel like Henry Cavill now jumped to the top to be James Bond. Oh, for sure. If you're a producer and he's not your shortlist, you should just be fired from MGM or whoever the fuck does it now. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was that buzz for a while about Idris Elba doing it, but it just seems like they would want to go with a younger actor if they're and trying Idris, to start a new you know era of Bond. Yeah. And Idris Elba said no. Oh, okay. Yeah, perfect then. Yeah, he said he would turn it down because he doesn't think he thinks he thinks that um, just make a really cool black spy character. Why does it have to be James Bond? Make your own guy. Yeah, there you go. And I want it to be Ana de Armas. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That'd be cool. But we get to see her skills in that ballerina movie in the John Wick universe. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. But the way it's going now, I think Brendan Fraser is going to be James Bond. (laughs) That'd be wild. You can't get enough of that guy right now. (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing the whale. Dude, yeah, I'm going to see that next weekend. It's here in Milwaukee. Um, in, In the summer, this girl I hang out with, uh, Stranger Things was the big thing, right? And like Kate Bush, you know, the song, that song Run Up the Hill came out and yeah. Taika Waititi came out and said like, fuck everyone wanting to like this song. Like I was there. It's mine to like. And it was that whole gatekeeping thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's always adorable when somebody does that, you know, and she agreed with it. Like she was like, I kind of get it. Like. You know, and and her biggest example was she went with her roommate to go see Salt and Pepper with um, uh, Salt and Pepper were the openers, but it was uh, not Backstreet Boys. The other one with fucking Mark Wahlberg's brother. Ninety eight uh, degrees in sync. No, I, like the original boy band. Oh, New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block. And she took her roommate and Rick Astley came out and she's like, oh, my God, like the next day she's like, oh, I'm looking up all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, she's like, I kind of get Taika like I liked him first. I'm like, no, that's why people do this stuff. So generations can enjoy it. I'm just like, you're a fucking idiot. Like people can like Kate Bush. People can like whatever. Fast. Dude, I've gotten on my high horse and, and done that with Batman before. And after every time that I, I then sit and have a moment of introspection, I'm like, <laughs> what a cunt you are. <laughs> Fast forward to about a couple weeks ago. Uh, I have this guy at my school, brand new to teaching, 21. He's going to be one of the best there's going to be in like 10 years. Uh, he does special ed and he's he's getting big into like pop culture. And he comes into my room and he's like, hey, man, um, you like Brendan Fraser? I'm like, yeah. He's like. You know, all these people are saying he's really good in the whale, but like, I'm sitting there like, I liked him in the mummy. And I look at him, I go, You can get the fuck out of my room right now, dude. And he just, he's like, What? <laughs> I'm like, I like that motherfucker 
since his cinematic debut as fucking Link, he's mine. Get away from him. <laughs> You've probably never even heard of Encino Man. <laughs> Brendan Fraser is mine. Nobody else can like him right now. <laughs> and then I called Amberly, and she's like, "Yeah, fuck you." I'm like, I know. <laughs> I don't know, dudes. I mean, there's. I don't... I think there's certain levels where it's gatekeeping and then also certain levels where it's like, you know, you feel like you're into something at first and then you see it start blowing up. And then like, and this was probably more of a younger person thing. Cause like the only examples I can think of this was when I was in like middle school and high school and shit. So it's definitely gotta be younger person shit that hopefully people age out of, but it's like, you feel like you're the one that is like kind of discovered something or it's your thing. And then it blows up. And people you don't like now like this thing, and so then you have to let it go also. I know. Yeah. And now I hate Brian Fraser because everybody else likes him. Like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Hope he gets snubbed at the Oscars. Like, I remember when Offspring's first album came out, and like I picked that shit up fucking fast. And and like I was in, you know, like fucking seventh grade or something like that. And and it was before the song Self-Esteem got any radio play. So virtually nobody knew about it unless, you know, you bought the album kind of when it came out or maybe, you know, the first time you're Sam Goody or something. Yeah. And, and like, then I remember that song blowing up on the radio and then all of a sudden all these, you know, people that I went to school with that I was like, you know, I, I'm trying to do everything I can to not do anything in line with what they think is cool because fuck those people and fuck everything they stand for. And then all of a sudden they're like, I love the offspring, dude. And I'm like, oh, no, fuck Offspring. And then there was, like, bands that in high school that I never gave a chance for that same reason, too. Like, Yes. Um, oh, what was that one? The like, Oh, everybody else likes them. I don't know. Fuck this shit. Matchbox gonna... 20. I never gave them a chance until, oh. like, 10, 15 years after. And then I was like, you know what? That first album of theirs is pretty fucking good. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I do like Matchbox. I... Sometimes I get them confused with the Goo Goo Dolls. I oh, fucking, fuck the Doo Goo, fuck Goo Goo Dolls. I hate the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, I can't stand them. That fucking awful song that was in City of Angels. Which I laugh every time at that ending. Ugh. Ugh. Right? Is that the like one that where, like, is that the one where Meg Ryan gets hit by a bus after Nicolas Cage <laughs> gives up being an angel? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> he gives up being an angel. <laughs> what was that match about? Like, I want to push you around and I will. And I, and I will. will. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that's, that's what you shit. needed. I feel like that's what you need in the 90s. Just be like, I will. <laughs> I like, will. You had the Dave Matthews band. <laughs> <laughs> Never got into them either. No, 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 no. And one person I will never like because it was just shoved down my throat is I want I want to see John Mayer get hit by a bus. <laughs> Buddy is woodland. Like what the fuck? Take the shit out of your mouth and sing, dude. <laughs> I was never very familiar with his music. Like if it was played on the radio, I probably heard it. But, like, I can't, like, off the top of my head, think of any fucking John Mayer song. So I'm probably better off for that. I think I have, too. I think that, like, that one and, like, um, like, the pay paradise and then put up a parking lot. Like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh, no. That's a weird-ass fucking song. The The other one that I always think of that's really weird is the, the one where it's, like, um, something about when I kiss your mouth. I want to taste it, turn you upside down, don't want to waste it. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? 
I mean, we saw that like in the Spider-Man movie, right? <laughs> Upside down kiss, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Was that a Nickelback song? Was that a Nickelback? No, it's a girl singing it. Avril Lavigne has to be. <laughs> has to be. God, dude, now I'm thinking that Pave Paradise, is that like a song about like deforestation? Like, is he coming at Target? Yeah, I have no idea. What a f- fuck That's some weird idea. shit. <laughs> he looks like a B, but he looks like a Wish.com Johnny Depp. <laughs> Whenever I think of John Mayer, I always think of this. I think it was a Rolling Stone interview he did years ago where he said some really fucking out there shit. And I was like, dude, how high were you when you showed up to talk with this interviewer? Like, they were asking him about girls, and he was saying that, like, he's looking for a girl that has the Joshua tree of vaginas, something he can just camp out on for a weekend. (laughs) What? Jesus. Like, that's a fucking wild quote, dude. He's fucking, you're on some shit if that's what you're saying. Yeah. Can you imagine being Print this in your award-winning publication. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, being his mom and, like, being like, oh, my son's in Rolling Stone. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Johnny, this is what you're talking about. Oh, Johnny. (laughs) You got a filthy mouth and some talented fingers. (laughs) i mean he can't play a guitar really well right i mean you don't get fucking famous for skill but for you know you can be a shitty human and still be really awesome at something yeah kevin spacey (laughs) see case in point brilliant actor maybe likes to fuck kids i don't know Uh, dude and like people that have testified against him have like died (laughs) <laughs> maybe a killer <laughs> maybe a killer he wasn't even acting on the set of seven kid fucker with a side of murder he just rolled up one day on the set they're like hey oh kevin your shirt's full of blood you must have gone to makeup yes <laughs> yes yes that's what i did brian singer no not <laughs> who did uh fisher who the fuck did seven that was oh um, Fincher. Yeah, was I was gonna Fincher? Say that was a David Fincher movie, wasn't it? Yeah, no. Brian Singer did Usual Suspects. Yes, and that movie's still brilliant. It's good, but directed by a fucked up piece of shit and acted by a fucked up piece of shit. Both, both true. However, that movie's still brilliant. Heck yeah, oh man, I feel bad for all the best boy grips on those sets. Jesus Christ! Oh no! <laughs> oh, no oh, didn't they do Superman Returns too? Uh, not sure about the creative team on that. That was a movie that I saw precisely one time. And I yeah, was like, well, was, I'm never going to burden myself with that again. He was Lex Luthor and Brian Singer was the director. Okay. Yeah. I do remember him being Lex Luthor. Yeah. I always remember the, the scene of the bullet bouncing off the, the cornea. I thought that was cool. Man. That, that was like the coolest part of the movie. It's probably the only, that's probably why I hold on to it. I really enjoyed that movie. Really? It was so boring. I don't I don't know. I enjoyed it. I was into it. Wow, you're into boring shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've done the Starcast 17 times. <laughs> I strive to have the most boring of guests on. <laughs> <laughs> classroom com- coming along this year it is going pretty fucking awesome man that's fucking it, amazing stuff dude glad to see that, that you always come up with amazing ways to keep the kids engaged like that 
It is taking a life of its own. <laughs> That's wild. I just made, I, I put it, I, I didn't really explain it, but what I did was, I'll send you a picture so you kind of know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, like, we have that butcher paper, like that, like, it's a, it's it's huge, like, notepad of paper. It's probably, like, three feet long and two feet wide, or maybe it's, like, three feet long and, like, three feet wide shit like that like and you it comes on like this cardboard and you can like pull it off one shit at a time okay yeah yeah just like a, like a giant like presentation style like notepad yeah yeah okay exactly. yeah yeah so uh yeah so i made so what i did was i drew i drew a giant mjolnir and i'm gonna send it to you right now i i drew this fucking thing and I made it cracked. So, like, I drew, like, the parts where it was cracked and shit. Like, on the actual, oh, okay. you know, yeah, steel that looks part. great. And what I did was I had kids color it because the last week I just had to keep assessing, assessing. And finally I got caught up and I had about two, I had about three days left. So I'm like, fuck it. Like, I got the flus going around. I'm not going to teach fucking anything. Like, our kids have to do so much time on their computers of this program we bought from school. So I'm like, you guys are going to go on your computers. I'm going to get the room clean. I'm going to fucking make more decorations and shit. And this essentially is like an anchor chart. Well, actually, this is more of a tracker. Anchor charts are still, like, as a teacher, like, let's say I'm teaching you about questions and, like, how to use a question mark. So as a teacher, I'm going to make an anchor chart to put in the classroom that's kind of like a reminder. So like I made one that was like the who, what's, and when's of a question. You know, and we just put like the words you usually see in questions. So like that's kind of like an anchor chart or like if you see, you know, just like kind of an educational poster. And I don't want to buy that shit because that's expensive. So I just like to make my own. But what we have to do is we have to make trackers. We have to track the kids' progress. And a lot of people just go like on fucking uh, Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets and they just make a boring ass fucking like spreadsheet. They blow it up into a poster, laminate it, and put a star. So, like, our math teacher did that. You know, she has their names and it's like, these were the kids that have 80% mastery on this test. And they put you know, they put a star next to their name. And it kind of sucks if your name's on there with no stars. So I'm not a big fan of that kind of tracker. Dude, that was one of the first places my mind went was, man, what about the kids who never get on there? And then they've got to get, that's got to be like just ammo for, you know, ridicule. Yeah. So I'm the reading teacher. So one of the big things I want my kids to do when they leave my class, I want them to know all the letters all of, I want them to know – I want them to be able to name all of the letters, uppercase and lowercase. And I want them to be able to uh, – I want them to be able to tell me the sounds. So this hammer that I sent you, the kids colored it. This thing took like three fucking days. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> the kids colored it. I went and I cut out every piece. It ended up being 95 pieces of this fucking thing. So essentially it was like a giant jigsaw puzzle. Then I laminated each individual piece and then I cut it back out. 
numbered numbered the back, took pictures so I knew how to put it together, put the little fucking, you know, uh, like the Velcro little stickies that you get for like from 3M. Yeah. On each one. And what happens is the board was blank. Like I, I made its own section on the wall. I had nothing up there. I made a sign that said, uh, oh, what the fuck? It said like the, ooh, I got to. It says like uh, something along the lines of like, you know, the. Okay, it says the first step to becoming worthy readers is to know the names of all the uppercase and lowercase letters. When each K5 hero can identify all the letters, their names will help rebuild me all near and they will be worthy to lift any book shall they desire. So I told the kids, I'm like, if you can come up and say, hey, Mr. Hart, I, I want to do the letter quiz. And I have this little sheet. I point to a letter. They tell me it. I'm like, you can tell me the names of the uppercase and lower letters. You get to pick a piece of Mjolnir. I'm going to put it in the right spot. Dude, I got in two days, like a day after I did this, I got fucking 15 names up on my board. <laughs> nice. We are building Mjolnir. It's fucking incredible, man. Uh, what a cool idea to just engage with their imagination and really get them to participate. Yeah, because like, and then I showed them, like I didn't show them a lot of it, but like I showed them the part where like, Thor throws the hammer and she catches it and, and destroys it. And then I showed him the part of like when Natalie Portman goes and it comes back together. And I'm like, see, we all can be worthy. Like, let's let's show it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, they're they're into Thor. We do our little like every day we start off with our little creed. We talk about our superhero rules, like sit nicely like a Ninja Turtle and we always start the day by saying when we do all of this, they lift up their hands like they're holding a hammer and they shout out, we are Thor. <laughs> That's fucking excellent. That's the fucking coolest thing of all time. Man. <laughs> that is super cool. And it works out so cool because we just had Thor Love and Thunder. So like boys and girls know that there's a boy Thor and there's a mighty Thor. Like, so you just can't be like, we are Batman, but like they can say we are Thor. The girls can truly believe like, hey, we're the mighty Thor. We're Jane Foster Thor. Yeah, absolutely. Like it just it, it just lends itself. And yeah, um, I've just got to imagine that that Thor Love and Thunder movie it had to have hit with children audiences far better than it did with adults. I agree. Because that movie just I remember the whole time watching it being like. Because, I, you know, for the most part, I was entertained the first time I watched it. Like, a lot of the jokes and everything worked on me. I, I'm, I have kids myself, so I watch lots of, you know, like, kid programming and shit like that. And so, yeah, I can appreciate when it's done well. But, man, Christian Bale, like, it's like, what are you doing in this movie, buddy? You are so out of place here with what else is going on here. Um, oh, my God, dude. When he's doing, like, that puppet in front of the kids. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Oh boy, that movie was weird. <laughs> yeah. I like see, I, I did, I enjoyed. I know people like a lot of people, and I get it. It does look cheesy as fuck when the kids are going in like their own Thors, and you got the girl with like the little bunny rabbit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like the way I look at it is like that's that kid's like safety blanket. Like that's the thing that gives them courage to do something new. 
you know, like my kids had a blankie that we had to take places. So it was kind of cool to see that embodied. But I also get like, hey, this is like a Thor movie. We're facing Gore the God Butcher. Like maybe maybe save it for a dumb villain to pull this shit on. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, Gore the God Butcher was kind of wasted by being in a Taika movie. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, come on. How bad would you have loved to seen like some of those cave scenes from the Jason Aaron run on the big screen? Yeah, that would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. like, I mean, that comic book is it's one of the best Marvel comics, in my opinion, like one of the best ones that I've read anyway. And it's not like Christian Bale did a bad job. Christian Bale was a great gore. Yeah, like, exactly. What he was given. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job with what he was given, and but I mean, still, I would have really liked to have seen it with like a more comic accurate look, and and I don't, I don't buy into all the excuses. Oh, well, he'd look like Voldemort, or he'd look like like Davy Jones from Pilots of the Caribbean. And it's like, no, you could make him look like Gore the God Butcher. Yeah, but you know, whatever. Let me know. ask you a question. Like, so it does sound like we like that Chris Hemsworth wants a Thor five and it sounds like he does not want Taika. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Let me bounce this idea off of you. What if we had, what if they say Ryan Johnson is doing Thor five? I know he would definitely give us something unexpected. I mean, people are like, Oh, you know, knives out can have humor. This guy also wrote some of the best, most dramatic episodes of Breaking Bad. So, like, he can do some serious shit. Like, I think I would be for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of okay with them just shelving Thor for a little bit and, and getting on to some of this other stuff. They, they've cast such a wide net so far with what they've done in Phase 4 that... I look forward to phase five, hopefully tightening the focus a little bit. Yeah. Oh, dude, man. Uh, did you get the guardians preview in 3d for avatar? Uh, no, I got the quantum mania trailer in three. Oh, I got guardians twice. Fuck. <laughs> I haven't seen the guardians trailer on the big screen yet. Oh my God. Like what's that song they play? Like in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. By space. Oh my Hog. God. <laughs> Love the Ollie <laughs> Song's fucking awesome. <laughs> I was just walking around my my school halls, just going woo 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 woo. Oh, for <laughs> like, sure. Got like heart go back in your room. Like okay, <laughs> that's what that's what it should be next year. It should be a Guardians of the Galaxy fucking theme. Hmm. Dude, I can't wait for that next movie, but I do think it's going to be fucking really sad. Dude. <laughs> like, Dude. I think everyone's going to die. <laughs> I mean, with the shit Zoe Saldana said, like, it sounds like she has no desire to go back to Marvel. No, and, and I can see why, you know, a lot of these actors would be ready to move on to something else. I mean, especially it's like if if Avatar 2 does good enough numbers, like Zoe Saldana might be pretty busy doing more Avatar shit in the future. Man, dude, like 
I was sitting here thinking today. I was watching Glass Onion. I'm like, man, it's pretty cool for like Daniel Craig. In my opinion, he takes on an iconic role of James Bond and he kills it. But then he's also kind of starting his own legacy character from the ground up, you know, like with Benoit Blanc. Like this guy's had two huge, awesome reoccurring characters, part of two franchises. I truly think Knives Out's going to be a franchise. I mean, we're getting a part three, but like. I could see it even going further, but like Zoe Saldana, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek, and Avatar. Like she's been in three huge tentpole franchises in her career. That's fucking cool. She needs to find her way into Star Wars next. Yeah. Yeah, oh God. Put some headtails on her. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Make her a Twi'lek. That'd be fucking rad. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, man. What a great time to be like a pop culture fan right now. Oh, dude, there's just so much stuff. There's so much content out there. It's just a golden age. You know, right now I got like, I was watching Glass Onion. We started this. I, I hit the mute button and it like went to the end and now like it's showing like Netflix. The Netflix screen is still on it. It's showing me like just, you know, kind of like like pictures or like a, you know, a huge screen of like their series and talking about these fandoms, like the Witcher pops up. I'm like, that's another huge one. Haven't started it yet, but like we just, we keep finding room for all these new franchises to invade our TV series and movies. It's fucking fantastic. If you like fantasy stuff with like a really like earnest take on it, like I highly recommend the Witcher. It's great. And like, Henry Cavill's in it at least. Uh, like season three is gonna be dropping soon, and like he was in that as well. And so it it won't be until season four to it's replaced with Liam Sem- Liam Hemsworth. Uh, but I'll be definitely checking out season three. Season one of The Witcher is one of my favorite, just like single seasons of television. Um, oh, it's it's fucking great. But I'm a huge fantasy nerd, and I'm also a huge Henry Cavill fan. So him playing, you know, Geralt the Witcher is kind of fucking amazing. <laughs> and also because he's like a huge fan of like the, the the source material. And so it's just one of those perfect combinations of of you know casting and writing. And then they're like season two is like supposed to be like it's supposed to be following the narrative of uh I think it's called Blood of Elves, and it just doesn't really at all. And so the rumor is is that that's why Cavill's like kind of upset with why he left the Witcher was because he had like a exit clause in his contract. Who knows how much any of this is really true. Um, I, I also saw a blurb the other day of somebody reporting that, that Henry Cavill was actually fired from the Witcher because he was such a pain in the ass over how much he was like bitching about it, not being close enough to the source material. So who knows what's really right. Um, but man, I'm sad to see him go because he personified that character so well. And and I'm only coming from the having seen the show and 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 read some of the books. I've never actually played the game, but um, I mean, shit. Now I got a PS4. <laughs> the Witcher Three is on my list, so oh, I'll man, be playing dude. a Witcher game at some point. Both you and Vitaly, I'm in my car, fucking like crying when that happened, dude. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Like that is like the most, uh, one of the most 
amazing gifts that anybody's ever given me. <laughs> like, like I couldn't fucking believe it. And, and like, he, he, he totally got me when I opened up those first ones and then he was playing it off. Like, like, Oh, you, you, you know, you kids don't have a PS4. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then like the next gift is a PS4. And it's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. That was wild. He made it so cringy. I'm like, Joe, why didn't you fucking edit this out? This is weird. Like, <laughs> like oh, man. Uh, somebody would have to go on a you... racist tirade for me to edit shit. And even then, I might be like, you want to fucking burn yourself down? Go ahead and burn yourself <laughs> He's like, I swear to God, Joe, I've heard you say you had a PS4. I'm like, oh, shit, dude. This is... And you're being like the nicest person, like, oh no, my kids, like they'll get one eventually, but they'll get one, <laughs> like it'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god. And then all of a sudden you're like, what? I'm like, oh man, Vitaly, what a like, what a cool fucking guy, man. You you don't get a better guy than Vitaly. Oh no, that was so generous of him. It was such an amazing gift, and the way that he set it up, and the way that it went off, and everything, it was. It was amazing execution and in, in gift giving. Um, yeah. But you know, if you've listened to enough of like, you know, super fans back in the day and, and vintage geeks these days, you you if you listen to their holiday episodes, the guy's very good at gift giving <laughs> and very good at the the execution of, you know, hey, okay, unwrap this one and then this one type stuff and yeah, he, he totally blindsided me with it. I had no idea. And when the thing showed up in the mail, because it sat in my closet for a few days waiting, because he was like, hey, I'm shipping you something. Don't open it until we record. And this giant fucking box shows up, and I'm like, fucking giant-ass box? It's like almost 10 pounds? What the fuck did he ship me? Well, I guess we'll find out later. And so I just didn't even think about it again until then. But yeah, then, um, so what? I got, uh, so I, I, since then I have bought, uh, Spider-Man and Ghosts of uh, Tsushima, and dude, both of those games are fucking rad. Man, I used to watch Just Candelori on Twitch play Spider-Man, and that game looked fun as fuck. Yeah, I've done far more watching Liam play it than actually playing it myself, because he's, shit, at this point, he's probably close to like 60-70% of the way through. Man, just that kingpin battle alone is fucking cool in the bank. <laughs> yeah, the like the the opening battle. Yeah, it was like okay, whoa, yeah. what yeah. a way to start off a game. Yeah, no shit. It just drops you right into the action of you know, hey, you go take out all these bad guys and run through this building, and oh, also we're gonna give you a boss fight against the fucking kingpin right away. You know, um, real quick, and I feel like I'm gonna get it. Um, I feel like I'm gonna get not an angry text, but like a come on, man, text. I just need to continue on the awesomeness of Itali and just like how fucking charming this son of a bitch is. Uh, he came to Wisconsin. He came to Milwaukee in the summer. And I was just coming back from a vacation with my kids to Wisconsin Dells. And we ended up meeting him at a park, um, which was crazy because there ended up being like a classic car show. I didn't fucking know. The place is fucking packed and he, uh, you know, he meets us at the playground and this guy's got gifts. Like he's got gifts for uh, he's got gifts for my kids. Oh, <laughs> wow. Because dude. like at first because at first when we we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, dude, like I would love to. We can go hang out. And he said something. He's like, oh, are the kids going to be there? And I was just kind of like, maybe it depends on the weekend. He's like, oh, I love to meet the kids. I'm like, OK, yeah, cool. Like. I'll make sure I have the kids. 
And, um, you know, because usually, like, a lot of people are like, oh, man, I just kind of want to go out for a drink and shoot the shit. But, like, no, Vitaly wanted the kids there. Um, you know, he he made, like, this really cool 3D-printed um, Spider-Man mask. Oh, nice. Uh, for Emmett. And then if you know Vitaly, if you know Vitaly, you're going to know how huge of a deal this is. He gives Hazel an Alex Ross Wonder Woman action figure. Oh, no shit. That's incredible. Yeah. So then, like, you know, he's he's doing this. He gives me an awesome uh, Spider-Man comic book, you know, that's like in like kind of like that hard plastic thing that's been graded. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the, and all in the that clamshell, clamshell, yeah, yeah. So then it's like, okay, like we play for a while. He sees me discipline Emmett and put him in timeout at the playground for being too handsy. Like three times, I'm putting this kid in a fucking timeout. So I'm already feeling like a fucking weird dad. But the guy's got two boys. He knows. Oh yeah. So we go get lunch, and I'm like, this guy's bought gifts for me. He's made stuff. He's come out to Milwaukee. I make a dumbass excuse to go to the bathroom. And when I do, like, it's like right when we sit down. When we do, the waitress is there. I hand her my card. I go, under no circumstances are you going to let that motherfucker in the Cubs hat pay for anything? <laughs> and she goes, okay. She goes, okay. I go, promise. She goes, yeah. So all of a sudden, like, Emmett's like, I have to go potty too towards the end of dinner or, you know, towards the end of we're eating. We go to the bathroom, come back, and the waitress is sitting there, like, at our table, and Vitaly's looking at me and she's looking at me, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, what? And it was something like, she's like, so you gave me your card, but he gave me his. <laughs> Vitaly, like I'm arguing with like I'm arguing with him and the waitress. This guy like uses his charm and sweet talk to all of a sudden she's taking his card. <laughs> of course. The guy's like, a the salesman, you're not gonna win. Dude, you're stepping into it like a charming a stranger contest with a fucking <laughs> like like an experienced salesman. You're gonna lose. <laughs> I was just like, dude, like fuck. Yeah, no, Joe's incredible, dude. The, one of the nicest guys you could ever fucking come across. And it's all because of, you know, this podcasting realm we're in. It's so fucking cool, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, the Leftover Army community has been like a real godsend. Like, wow. Like, I just, because it's, I mean, fuck, it's almost 2023. So that's coming up on like six years. Like, maybe even, no, because it was like, I was in there in 2016. Because I was part of the army for a while. I was part of the army for a while before I ever even started Starcast. And I started Starcast in January 2017. So, yeah, it's been like fucking going on like seven years, I think. That's pretty amazing. I I think I found them. I found them with Ant-Man. So when that come out, 2015? Fuck, could have been. I'd have to look it up. I'm not. I'm, yeah, because I'm not good at recalling dates like that. <laughs> yeah, it was the same year Emmett was born. But I remember the first PCL episode I ever listened to was their Deadpool episode. Okay. And yeah, and that was 14. And and that was like I was just like fucking blown away. 
I was like, what the fuck did I just listen to? This is amazing. Like, Is the, it crazy that you get to be a part of it now? Dude, you know what I mean? It's really fucking mind-blowing. I remember the first the first time I did an episode with him, I remember thinking about how fucking surreal it was. Where it was like, you'd just be being quiet and listening to him talking. Like, oh yeah, you can contribute. Like, that's why you're here. You are here to contribute, not just listen but it's like you're used to listening and now now i've gone full fucking crazy where when i'm listening to episodes or ones that i'm not on i'm contributing just to myself (laughs) (laughs) you know you know what was so funny is last night when we or uh two nights ago i recorded like i remember when i first started the first time i came on it was still the phase where brian couldn't play bumpers or like he could but we couldn't hear him and then it got into a big thing where you could hear him. And I remember like being on one of those episodes for the first time, like, oh my God, I get to listen to these bumpers like in real time. What the <laughs> fuck? And then two nights ago, it's been ages since I've had to do this on PCL where he plays the bumpers and we can't hear them. But like when he's like, okay, we're going to get into like Marvel news in my head, I'm doing the Marvel news <laughs> yes. theme and it ended perfectly when he starts talking. I know it's hilarious because like, it's like when he does the radio, it's like the rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. It's like I can do the whole thing they along like with it. something, they and, taste it. Yeah. And if all leftovers love it. It's a Tupperware. It is really funny. But it's one of those things where it's like, dude, if you've listened every week, you know, for years on end, it's like, yeah, those bumpers are probably ingrained in your fucking psyche. Yeah, it's fucking, it's just, I still get nervous going on that show. Oh, yeah, dude. I Always remember, will. I remember one time it was, God, it was a long time ago at this point because I haven't worn an activity tracker in forever. But I remember I was wearing an activity tracker and like my heartbeats per minute were like in this like the 70 range. And then when we started recording, I was like talking and I felt like I was like not quite hyperventilating, but like super close to it. I'm like, what is going on? And I looked down at my wrist and my heart rate had jumped up to 110. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, how are you getting nervous? Like you've been podcasting for so long now, but yeah, it's like, it's, I think that's a good thing too, that that you still get a little bit nervous before recording because if you don't, it's probably, that's you're probably when you're really fucking spitting out shit. I mean, that's me every, every time I'm on, I'm just spitting out shit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous. There was two times where I was so fucking nervous. The first time was, um, I get like a, I get a message from Brian on a Saturday night at like five fifty five. And he's like, hey, man, he's like, has something happened with a guest? Want to know if you can be on? I'm like, yeah, like, I have the kids next weekend. But he's like, no, like, in four minutes. <laughs> Dude, you're a rock star when you can fill in in four minutes notice. And I, like, I didn't have the kids. I was just freshly divorced. I was a loser. I still am. But I'm like, yeah, I'll be on. And I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't watch any of the good pop, bad pop. None of that stuff, but it was it, it was a real fun time. And then um, I did one a couple Thanksgivings ago, where it started off with Brian, Dan West, and myself, and we got through like the banter and maybe a quarter of Good Pop Bad Pop, where we took a break. And then Dan West is like, "Guys, it's late. I gotta go." So then I had to do the rest of the episode just Brian and me. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? 
but yeah, man, PCL, what a fucking, what a ride. Oh yeah, dude. It's, I always have so much fun recording with them. Uh, it's, it's the show that I'm most likely to record on where I'm going to laugh so hard that my face hurts. <laughs> like it's, it, like it's happened so many times and yeah, always fun. And, and also it's like, it's, there's so many things that I would have never watched if it weren't for yes. the fact that it showed up on a list that was texted to me that it was like, Hey, this is what you have to watch before the next show. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to take this seriously. And even if it's something to where when I watch the trailer, I'm like, Oh God, I'd rather fucking run my head through this fucking drywall. Like I'll still watch it. And then when shows that like start off in that camp for me and then I watch it and I'm like, I fucking loved this. It just makes the show extra special because it had to get through all those layers of, of, you know, like kind of built in dislike that was just Mm -hmm. there for whatever fucking reason. I mean, I've definitely got my genres that, that I would rather lean into, but man, when, when something breaks through to where it's like, I never would have fucking watched this otherwise. And then it ends up being like a, a Tupperware, like, whoa, the, those those are just the best to me. Yeah, and, you know, some of those have even happened to not being on. And I think you were on this episode, which right now, like, I mean, a little behind the curtain, like, uh, you know, we got the Tuppies coming up. So you got to think of your favorite movies and shit. And there's this uh, movie, I think it came out, it came out around 4th of July because I was listening to it coming home from Fireworks. And uh, a movie I never would have fucking watched. It was called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Oh, that movie was fucking great. Dude, like, I mean, I'm not going to get too much into it, but, like, I actually have someone very close to me that's in, that used to be in that line of work. And to see it portrayed as, like, hey, this isn't anything to, like, put your nose up at. I mean, look at everybody else. We put our bodies on the, like, we give our bodies to our job. How different of it is it to do it like in this capacity? You know, like, and I just adored that movie. I think Emma Thompson fucking killed it. The guy that played Leo Grand was amazing. Never in a million years would I have even heard of that movie without pop culture leftovers. Oh, for sure. And, and, and if that didn't movie didn't give like a whole generation of young men like gilf complexes, I don't know what it would. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Because Emma Thompson, like, despite, you know, in in what a shit thing to say, like, despite her age, but, you know, that's like the, the society line. So I'll, I'll be there to fill it in. But despite her age, like, absolutely, like, exuded sex appeal in that role. And it wasn't even her character. But by the end of it that movie, it was like. the way she handled like, was, herself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like, I mean, not to give anything away, but like, she kind of really bears at all but like you're more attracted to why she's doing it and what she's seen like yeah we get to see her tits but like you're like dude like you're proud of yourself right now like you're sexy as fuck like yeah yeah like she was finally like in like embracing her own sexuality and not and like it like allowing it to like free herself in a way that she was never freed before in her life she was always constrained behind all these basically like a mental prison that she put herself in and put her own sexuality in. And that whole movie is just this late life exploration of a, a woman's sexuality that had previously been very inhibited. And what just a, it's a fucking brilliant movie. 
and I'm going to go on the LRN, man. Like, I don't think I've ever said this or ever thought it, but like, I was telling Amber Lee, like, I'm like, you need to watch this movie. Like, Emma Thompson's in it. And I even said, I go, and this guy's in it. I go, he kind of looks like a uh, fucking Rami Malik. I go, I, and I just said, I like, it just came out naturally. I go, and you know what? Like, this guy is fucking attractive as fuck. Like, you would like this movie. And she's like, did you just call a guy attractive? I'm like, I don't know if it's his looks or just the way he carries himself in this movie. But yes, the guy was like the whole package. Like, like if I could look like a dude, I'd want to look like that guy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Dudes who can't admit when, when other men are attractive are just kind of sad where it's like, if that scene in, in civil war, when cap is like holding the helicopter at bay, that like made everybody at least 3% gay. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't fucking care. Or like, like, like if you've ever seen Ryan uh, Reynolds shirtless in anything, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's like at some point, like, like physiques just get to a level that classifies as like that's fucking absolutely beautiful to the level of like fucking art. You can see why ancient Greeks Greeks like sculpted that form in marble. It's like, come on, like if you can't appreciate that, if if the very thought in your mind of like verbalizing something like that terrifies you, then you probably need to do some little bit deeper introspection. But (laughs) but otherwise, it's like, dude, it's just sexuality. Calm the fuck down. It was great because like that was such a huge turn on for her. So oh, now that, every- that you were like willing to that, that you admitted that that she was like, oh, wow, he really opened up there. I like that. Yeah, and I'm like, have I ever come out, come across as gay bashing? She's like, no, no. She's like, but she goes, you, just, I don't know. So now every time I watch a movie, I'm like, hey, you see that guy? He's fucking hot. And I'm like taking off my shirt. And she's like, no. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, are you rubbing your nipples? <laughs> I'm like, you see that mailman in the background? Let's fuck, yeah, look at that guy. Do you want me to be rubbing my nipples right now? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to? <laughs> You want me to, baby? <laughs> it it is fucking crazy. Like it is so wild, the shit that can get like people attracted to somebody these days. Um, well, Dude, attraction's like, a weird thing. There's like a, like a legit thing with female celebrities where a bunch of them are afraid of doing roles that like directly show their feet. Because they don't want to end up on some fucking forum where dudes are jerking off to feet. Because, or a Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah, because dot dot dot, dudes jerk off to feet. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Some people's favorite color is yellow. Don't get that either. But it doesn't affect me. So hey, feet turn you on. Cool, bro. Well, and it was just like I, um, in the summer, uh, it it was Hazel's birthday. Uh, in July, corresponding with Thor, Love and Thunder, the movie came out the 15th. Hazel's birthday was the 13th. And I know it's the 15th because I have every theatrical poster that exists of that movie in my classroom. So come at me like I can tell you the theatrical <laughs> release date of Love and Thunder. And Jess, Candel- Jess Candelori put something up of um, she got like some makeup. That was like a Thor Love and Thunder themed. I, I I couldn't even tell you what the fuck it is. Like, I think it's like shit. You take a brush and rub on your cheeks. <laughs> like, is it all white? <laughs> it's for gore. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it was really cool because like uh, we planned this whole thing. So we have these, 
Like it was specific to like a store called Alta, which is like just it, it's just a makeup store. Like anything you want for makeup, you go to this place. It's fucking huge. Ulta? We go to one, huh? Alta. Yeah, U L T A. Gotcha. There you go, Joe. Um, <laughs> you know, like we go to one. I'm like, I don't know where anything is. Like I come in and like people just come up to like, can can we help you, sir? It would be a little weird if you were able to go right to it. I mean, not like weird, but like weird in that like didn't know that about you weird. Yeah. And I was just like, so there's there's this thing like for Thor Love and Thunder. And like, oh, yeah, like it's over here. But we only have like the testing stuff. I'm like, can I buy that? They're like, well, no. I'm like, well, just say you're sold out. Like, what the fuck? You can test it, but we can't sell it to you. So we finally get to one. We go to two stores because Hazel's all, like, Hazel just wanted it because her and Jess have one of the coolest connections of all time. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, you know, we got um, we get there and, you know, like I'm just kind of walking through the aisles. Like I kind of remember where it was at the other place. And Ulta's aren't like a Walgreens where they all look the same on the inside. Like they're vastly different. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and it's, it's, it's actually really cool. They have like a hair salon. Like people are doing like, you know, they're getting their hair done at this place. They're getting makeup put on like, and it seems like it's all high end shit. So it's like, Hey, cool. But, um, this really awesome lady comes up to help us and, you know, I'm telling them and Hazel's right there and, you know, we get the thing. I'm like, yeah, but like, do I need something to put this makeup on? Like, do I need, like, an accessory? Like, you know, like, if you get nails, you need a hammer. Like, do I need... And she's like, oh, yeah, we got brushes over here. And she's just, like, fucking... She's going out of her way, and Hazel's, like, holding my hand. And, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, put it in the cart. And she's cuddling into me, Hazel is. And, you know, like, I get to the checkout, and I tell the lady, I'm like, uh, I want to speak to a manager. And the manager comes up. I'm like, yo, this girl was fucking... Like she, she made everything great for Hazel. Like Hazel was able to explain things and she found the exact product. And so I leave like a really good review. We're getting to the car and all of a sudden I hear, Hey, Hey, Hey. And this lady comes running the fuck out. And like, Joe, I'm like in shredded jeans. It's summertime. I sweat when it's cold. So like, I'm like a fucking baked pig out in the sun. (laughs) <laughs> like on a hot Wisconsin day. And she comes she comes up to me and she's like, you know, like if your daughter needs any help, you can always like like, you know, like here's my line. I'm like, oh, I just call Alta. She goes, Well, this is also my cell phone number. I'm like, oh, thanks, thanks. And we get in the car and she go Hazel goes, Dad, I think that girl gave you her number. I go, no, she gave me her work number. And then I look at the card and she's like, she hand wrote her cell phone number. So then I call her to go see Thor Love and Thunder and we're talking and she's like, I just think it's really attractive the way guys are with their daughters. I'm like, but that's like, that's just kind of like, I don't think there's anything attractive about that. That's just a parent being a parent. Well, so it I think should the whole be, but it certainly doesn't is... track that way for all men that that have had kids. That was a fun date, man. We went like fucking moonlight bowling after <laughs> nice, the movie. Dude. 
took shots of tequila. <laughs> she was after that DILF energy. Dude, that's, she called me a DILF. <laughs> See? <laughs> but then she went back to California after the summer. Ah. Oh, well. But yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just like the weird things. Like I can call a guy hot, and that gets me, that gets me a fun night. I can buy my daughter nail polish, and I get to have a fun time bowling. And you know what the <laughs> common thread is between both of those things? You were open and vulnerable, and you spoke your truth. Yeah, whatever. Joe. I think things that the the average dude is fucking terrified of doing, especially in front of a woman. Which ironically, it's like. No, dude, that's how you build and enrich a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's easy for me to say that, though, because, I mean, me and Lindsay have been together since essentially, I don't know, like 20 years. So, I mean, it's like, it's, I, you know, but but I think the secret to a long relationship is is you don't, you, you just don't stop dating them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's so, yeah, man, I wish I wouldn't have... And see, like here, here, here's also the common thread is both these women were like, in my eyes, tens, and I know I'm a two. So I'm just like, I don't have a shot. I ain't gonna fucking try. Dude, you're far from a two, but it's adorable that you that your self-esteem is that low. Three point five. Got it. <laughs> you fucking. Oh my god. No, no, I, but I I think that that's good because the it's better to sell yourself short than to sell yourself too high because those dudes are just fucking sad. Oh, the gym bros. The, <laughs> well, just the guys that like you know they think that they're God's gift to women, and it's like and and they probably get enough action to like prove that to a point. But it's like yeah, but how many like legit successful relationships have you had? Because at some point, you know, it, it's it at it, some point. It's just sad when you're the old guy in the bar trying to pick up chicks. Oh, God, dude. I could never. But, I could it, ev- but at the end of the day, too, I mean, it's, everybody is different and unique. So it's like wh- whatever whatever you feel you need out of life that makes you happy, then that's what you should go for. And if it's being in some sort of relationship with somebody, then go for that. And if it's not, then fucking go for that. It's because... My true belief is at the end of the day, life is short and you should try and pursue what brings you happiness. Dude, you know there, I mean? there's, man, there's just too much going on to even get hung up on shit. Oh. Like just, I got, I got fucking, I got fucking heartbroken again. I'm going to give you my uh, insurance card for this session, bud. I appreciate <laughs> you. You got heartbroken again? No. No, 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 no. Um, well, yeah, but like, I went to college later. Like, I I started college when I was like twenty four. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, um, and then I uh, I started college. I do all my general courses for two years, and then I got into uh, education. And my major was early child education. And Joe, God, this was this was now twelve years ago, because uh, it's my tenth year teaching. But at that time, it's kind of like the meet the fuckers thing where there was no male nurses. Like there were no male kindergarten teachers. Oh, okay. So you ran into that fucking pseudo macho bullshit. I actually. Of, of, oh, you want to teach little kids? You must. What are you, a fag? And it's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, okay, dude. Yeah, right. 
Um, I've, I've only experienced that a couple times, but like, man, dude, if I would have done this right out of college with no girlfriend or like fiance, holy shit. Cause I was the only guy. I was the only guy in all of these classes with all women. Dude, there was an episode of Friends where they did a whole storyline on. Do you remember the Freddie Prince Jr. episode? Never. He was the, he was the, I've only seen two episodes of Friends. Okay, so Freddie Prince Jr. played a male nanny, and they had Ross of all fucking characters being like, you're not gay? You gotta at least be bi, dude. What the fuck? Why don't you have a manly job? And it's like, ugh. I mean, it's just another reason why Ross sucks. Ross but. is a piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, fuck Ross. Ross sucks. Ross is <laughs> dumb, dude. As a character, Ross sucks. I think that that uh, David Schwimmer it seems to be a, a pretty stand-up guy from what I've seen in interviews and shit. Like yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't, I don't mean to, to tangent us with fucking friends talk there. No, 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 no. And, like, so especially, like, when you're getting close to – like, when you're in your major, when you're really putting the work – in these classes, you're given a lot of group projects, you know, um, and a lot of the girls will be like, oh, why don't we come to my apartment and work on it? I'd be like, okay, no. At this point, I'm married. I have a house or I'm renting a house. I'm like, why don't the six of us come to my house? My wife will make dinner. We can work at the kitchen table. Like just trying to get like. Like, I hate to be like this, but, like, some accountability of, like, hey, it can't be, like, this guy was over. Because you never know. Like, people can always say some shit. Oh, like, yeah, just, yeah. I just didn't want to have any chances with that. No, the cover your ass factor in life is real. And more people would be better off considering those things before they just walk into situations. It, exactly. And I got to know, like, 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 20 of us became, like, hardcore, super fucking cool friends. Like, you know, we student taught at the same schools a lot. Like we ran into a lot of uh, each other, like at the teacher of the year awards, shit like that, like some PDs, like, and we've all kept in touch because of Facebook. And there was this one that I kind of always took under my wing. She was the youngest one. Like she was super cool, like always so nice, uh, sent like personal gifts each time the kids were born. And fucking, um, you know, like she ended up getting married and she had a daughter three years ago and just had a son. And, you know, like, it's not like we talked all the time, maybe once or twice a year, but like, I still consider her a dear friend. And she posts this thing day before Thanksgiving. Like she always posts some pictures of her daughter post this thing that says, Today, heaven gained an angel. And I'm like, oh, she's, ta- she's talking about her grandma. She goes in to wake up her three-year-old daughter for daycare to find her dead in the bed. No. Was it like like, like toddler stage SIDS? I don't, like, she just put, like, I'm bringing this. She just posted something. She goes, she goes, I can't believe it's been a month, and I can't believe doctors still can't tell us why you left. Oh, fuck. That's... I think that there's and, no crueler fate than a parent outliving their child. And one of the Joe, one of the nicest fucking girls, one of the nicest people you'll ever fucking meet. Like, like, and she's one of the like, like every time, like every time I got a teacher of the year award at the school I was at, she was getting one at her school. 
Like she just goes and she gets it done. She puts the kids first. Never was never said a mean thing about anybody. Anytime I talked to her, like, and we would have sessions in the library until like 2 AM. Like I got to know this person, the nicest person and fucking, you know, like I'm sitting there thinking the other day, like I got pissed about something like, Oh shit, dude, I could be her right now getting ready for the holidays without a fucking daughter. Like, and I'm getting pissed off because I got cut off in traffic. Oh yeah. No, it, it's always good to take perspective like that. And dude, that's tragic about your friend. I'm so sorry for her loss. That's terrible, man. But like, it also showed like I, one of our friends from school made like a GoFundMe to help with the funeral. And the goal was like, you know, four grand and shit was going down where like two weeks ago I went to go contribute Dude, they're at like a hundred and twenty grand of people that have like donated to That's this amazing. family. It was like, man, there is some good fucking people out there. Dude, nothing brings out the best in humanity like tragedy. And, I know. And, Doesn't and that suck? Sad. Yes, that is exactly what I was just going to say. Is that to me? That's it's a beautiful thing, and it's a sad thing that it takes tragedy to bring out the best of us, because it seems like in times of idleness. If that's a word, <laughs> it, it, like in times that we're idle, otherwise it's like we gravitate towards weird, petty shit. Like you can just look at the average behavior of people online as, as a, an indicator of that, that, you know, given a choice when people are bored, there's a subset of the population that will choose cuntiness and choose just like vitriol over, over compassion and empathy. And, but You'd like when I think of like when back in 2008, when, when we went through that really bad flood and my whole town was flooded, the amount of volunteers that showed up to help, like I'd, I'd have strangers just like knock on my door and like, hey, can we help? Like we drove here from Missouri. We saw this on the news and we just felt moved and we wanted to come up and help you guys. Can we just, you know, we have tools. Can we just come and like clean up, help clean up your yard maybe? And like it was incredible. Like I would, I'd look out my window and there would be people that were complete strangers that were out, like, raking up, like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, flotsam and jetsam from my fucking yard. And, yeah, dude, yeah. They, like, like just, like, the the blanket that my, that my wife still uses in bed every night comes from, like, some Buddhist foundation. That they came into town, and they gave, I think they gave us a, a $500 gift card. If I'm remembering correctly, like a $500 Visa card and like this fucking dope ass blanket that has like this big patch on it that has like the name of their, their thing. And like, I remember the guy like handing me the blanket that had the gift card on top and like bowing to me. And I was just like, God damn. Like I was just moved to tears so many times throughout that, that, that whole thing that happened just because of the, the kindness of complete strangers. But you know, and then we've gone through a few disasters again since where it happens every time. It's like there's a natural disaster and the the kind hearted people immediately show up afterwards to help. And it's like they're still there. And it's it's still very applicable. The phrase, yeah, people suck. Yeah, it's totally applicable. But also like people are also very kind and empathetic. It just all depends on the person in the scenario. Well, it reminds me of like my like I 
you know, like I, I do love Thor and Batman, but I think my all time fucking hero is uh, Fred Rogers. <laughs> yeah, you know? dude, that that and, that man did his best to teach, you know, multiple generations about empathy. And he has the bit like you're saying this and like it brings up this quote that I just always have ingrained that he said where it was. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would always say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. This is a fucking beautiful thing that one of the millions of beautiful things that Fred Rogers, that guy was a fucking badass dude. And it's funny. No one thinks like, like when you're watching Mr. Rogers at the time, you're not like the word radical doesn't come to your mind. But that motherfucker was as radical as one could have gotten no, with the platform he had. You are absolutely right, dude. The word radical doesn't come to mind, but it should. Dude, like, what, like, one of his first episodes in the 60s, people are having, like, like black people are having bleach poured on them in pools for being in a pool with a white person. What does Fred Rogers do two weeks later? He invites like the mailman who was black to come and take off his shoes and dip him in a kiddie pool that he was also using. <laughs> yes. Like, what the fuck? Like, and nobody at the time was like, oh, this is this is fucking insane. Like, he's he he's fucking out there. Like, no one gave it a second thought because he was so authentic and genuine that it was just like, hey another human being is hot. I'm going to help him cool down. You just, you didn't get better than Fred Rogers. Oh no, without a doubt. I mean that, like I said earlier, that that dude, that dude taught an entire generation about empathy and, and showing by example, how to be a good person. And, And it's as simple as just considering the people around you. And yeah, and and but I also think that 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 little phrase there's there's like a there's a Goldilocks zone in there where it's appropriate because I think that you can take it too far where you see some of like the extreme liberalism on on um, social media where yeah. it, to me it basically comes down to comply or we are going to cancel you and bully you. And it's like, okay, so if we don't explicitly get with your agenda of love and acceptance, then then you're going to use the tools of the enemy to burn people down that are supposed liberals as well, but just not quite as liberal as you, or they towed the line one too many times. That's where I think it gets fucked up. Where if, if you get to the end of either extreme, I'm not fucking interested, but there's a Goldilocks zone and it's definitely on the liberal side of the fence, but there's a Goldilocks zone there that yeah. that's where I live. And and basically it comes down to, hey, be cool. And if you get to the point where you're so fucking cool that you're not being cool anymore, guess what? You're a fucking dick. So rethink your fucking choices and maybe try to be a little bit more empathetic. Um, I'm I'm totally blanking on the guy's name right now. I'd have to do some research to find it out. Um, but there's this black gentleman that did an episode of Joe Rogan a long time ago. And he talked about, he had like been able to like bring all these people from the KKK over to the side of like, I've seen common that. sense. Like I'm totally blanking on the gentleman's name right now. I'm, 
I think you shared that with me. I I finished off a bottle of scotch while we've been recording, so names aren't coming to me. (laughs) But um, uh, this gentleman, he's he's like basically just talked a lot of people out of the KKK, and the way he did it was by with patience and understanding. And never once did he like pontificate to these people and tell them that they were backwards and fucked up or anything. He just, oh, okay, I, I, I guess I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. But just basically by befriending these people, the, he was able to get them to like swear off their allegiance to the KKK, which is a pretty fucking amazing thing. I, f- I feel like I should fucking Google this shit now. Man, one of the most powerful things we can do as human beings, like this is. I'm in nowhere going to say like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome at like what I do in teaching kids. But one thing I've learned is that like, there's like two great things you can do as a person. And I think number one is always listen. Like yes. listen. Yeah, and that's what it comes up. down to. Listen, listen to what they're saying. <clears throat> if the contents of the, the, what this person's saying is fucking stupid, Chances are they're going to discredit themselves with their own words. Have you ever listened to a flat earther try and fucking back up their claims? <laughs> Dude, it's an exercise in stupidity. And any single person with common sense listening to these morons talk realizes within 30 seconds, like, oh, A, this person's crazy. B, this person's a moron. It's maybe somewhere in between the two of some. Oh, and also, by the way, the, this gentleman's name that I was talking about, his name is Daryl Davis. Um, if you ever in put your thoughts about Joe Rogan in a little box and tuck them away in your closet and go fucking listen to this episode with Daryl Davis, because it's a really, really incredible story. Oh, man. I, you know, I'm almost positive you have shared that with me in the past, and that's how I know this. Oh, dude, when I listened to that episode, I texted links of it to so many people. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was because, one of the many lucky ones to get it. Yeah, because it was just like, I don't know if you listen to JRE or not. I mean, personally, I'm I'm hit or miss with them. And for a guy who puts out like, you know, three episodes a week or something like that, probably totally okay to not listen to every fucking episode. <clears throat> but um, I, I that one right there is a gem. I just can't get over the fact that he used to make people eat worms. <laughs> he used to be the fear factor guy. <laughs> yeah. And that was the only part of that show that I was like, no. And it's not an issue of fear. It's like, I'm not afraid to eat worms. It's just, I have better sense than that. No. And some of that shit was so gross. Dude. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I remember one day, the next day at high school, like, I think they had spaghetti and meatballs, but it was like worms and like cow eyes. Oh, and the so next gross. day, the next day at school, we had spaghetti and meatballs, and I fucking Ralphed all over the table. <laughs> I fucking Ralph. But I mean, if I can, if if the soapbox is still available, like number two, I think, especially especially with like kids and teenagers, like. This one might not work for some hard-minded adults, but I think one of the other most important things you can do is to validate. Like, and validate doesn't mean agree, but it just means like, yeah, dude, I get how you're feeling. I can see that. Like, and again, my experience comes with like a five-year-old being pissed they got skipped in line. You know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're like, that's a good reason to be pissed. Well, just making somebody feel like they're heard. There's so many people in this world that that don't feel heard, but 
Dude, I've I've tested my limits with that in the past and I've I have found those limits. <laughs> like yeah. I remember years ago at this job I used to have this uh this one dude who was like very outspokenly conservative to the point where it's like if he had control of the radio, he was blasting Rush Limbaugh so everybody on the assembly line would have to listen to it. And like he just fucking loved talking to me. I've kind of come to this conclusion that like talking to people is my weird, useless superpower that oh, for some reason people seem person. to like to talk to me, which I've just kind of accepted okay. But like the downside of that is that people I don't want to talk to fucking want to talk to me. And this dude was one of those people, like to the point where he was even said to me one day, <laughs> there's times where where my my fuse is gone and like my genial midwest nature disappears and i turn into a fucking sociopath who's like brutal with honesty and this was one of those moments where this guy's like well i really like talking to you and right away without missing a beat i went i don't like talking to you at all (laughs) (laughs) and to this day i don't feel an ounce of fucking guilt over saying that I fucking love you so much. Because for that, I right? don't. Every time he would talk to me, I would get mad because I'd be like, I don't understand where you're coming from as a person. That that I don't understand how you're able to make these excuses. Like we were talking about, do you remember there was that awful lady in Kentucky and she was like a, a county clerk or something like that? And it was after yes. like on a federal Kim level. Davis. Game. Thank you. That was her name. <clears throat> she was not uh not signing marriage license for gay com- for gay couples yeah uh, even though it was legalized on a federal level and she was saying that it was due to her religious freedoms now personally i think religious freedoms as defined by the constitution simply means that the government can't make a state religion and the government also can't do anything that makes your religion inaccessible that's how i understand what the freedom of religion is now somehow in a bunch of these wacko fucking conservative Christians' minds, it has turned into religion of freedom means that we all have to follow their whack job fucking beliefs. And that's not what the fuck it means. That's not freedom. And you can you can take your little fucking love of Jesus and you can you can wad it up into this tight little fucking ball and stuff it right up your fucking ass without lube, you fucking pieces of shit. We don't live rock. <laughs> we don't live in a secular fucking state. The the point of freedom of religion is that America's not a secular state. So quit fucking acting like it is. Okay, I'm off my soapbox there. But he was like basically his argument was, well, you can't say that this woman was was motivated by bigotry cuz we don't know what's in her heart. And I'm like, I know what's in her heart. And it's I think bigotry. She showed us what's in her heart, dude. <laughs> yes, it's like you can't you can't be on your fucking third or fourth marriage and then say that you believe in the th- the sanctity of Christianity so much that you're going to stand in the way of complete strangers doing something that has literally zero fucking to do with you. And the only way it does have something to do with you is if you're a fucking prick that wants to use your religion like it's a club and beat down people that you don't fucking like. And that's where cur- con- conservative Christianity is a fucking absolute deal breaker for me. It's anytime somebody's doing something where it's like, if you can trace this back far enough and make it a simple enough idea to, oh, you're just being a fucking dick, then I'm not going to be on your side. And, yeah. and, and man, I remember this guy, every time I'd show up, he would just start hitting me with all this shit. And it was like, dude, I don't want to battle you. 
Because I don't understand where you're coming from. I think you're coming from a place that's fucking crazy. And I think that your fucking IQ level is so far below the fucking median. I think your parents were maybe third cousins or something like that. They were definitely pissing in the gene pool when they made you. And I don't want to fucking talk to you. So you can fuck right off, buddy. And that's how I felt about that guy. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Dude, that might be the most amount of fucking hatred vitriol I've ever spewed out on this show. I think I I'm generally that. pretty cool, but I love that I'm the guy that got it out of you, <laughs> dude. If <clears throat> I don't know, I I have found that whiskey is a truth serum to me. Oh, like, <laughs> a few weeks ago, I polished off a bottle of bourbon and and just started spitting facts to my wife. <laughs> Just spewing truth, buddy. <laughs> just talking about the most random shit, and she's just like, "Okay." <laughs> no, I I 100% agree with you that your superpower is listening and like being able to talk to. Like, I mean, dude, we've been I don't know how long we've been recording, but we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes, and like, how much have I just been able to bear to you? Like, I've kind of pulled the curtain off saying, like, I'm involved with somebody that used to do specific things, like, <laughs> on a podcast. Like, no, that is, that is, that. like, yeah, dude, I always get excited. I have no idea what number episode this is I've been on, but every time, like, it's never the same shit. Like, we don't even have to be recording for this. Like, Joe, some of my favorite memories of all time were in the pandemic, we're what we would call each other twice a week. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> and we would talk for like hours at an end. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And like, admittedly, like I'm I'm terrible at just like keeping up with people like via text message and stuff like that. And like I, I was in like I'm very, very slippery with time, too. Where it's like like almost all my friends like where it's like if you're somebody that like I have positive feelings about like trust that like I think of you several times a week and like every time I think of somebody, I should just shoot somebody a text message because it'd be a nice thing to do. Right. But I don't, because then I get in my head of, well, I don't want to be bothersome and I don't want to come off as weird just sending a a message out of nowhere. And it's like, we, you know, these things, they they ding on both, both ends. They're not messaging me. But you could write the prelude to my book on that. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, I get super in my head sometimes about that. I'm I'm a very weird mix of like introverted and extroverted. So I, I, I don't know what it is because it's like, you know, you get me one on one like this and I can't fucking shut up. But you get me like maybe just by myself, like the amount of times I've opened up my phone and started texting somebody and then deleted it all. and been like, no, 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 you know, you're going to come off as a fucking weirdo. It's like probably not. They they probably would have loved hearing a message from you, but I don't know. I got in my head about it and didn't do it. You'll never be a weirdo to me. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. I'll keep that in mind. I'm the weirdo in all my friendships. <laughs> I do I mean, send you some of the weirder shit. I've sent you some very weird videos where I'm like, oh, "What do you think of this?" And then there's zero response. I'm like, "Paul, I didn't like that." <laughs> No, no, no. See, see, now you're calling me out. I'm bad at te- I am so bad at texting back people. <laughs> I, especially lately, like with this job, I'm staying like, man, I go to work, like I'll wake up and I have like the security code to the school. Like 
if I like, I usually wake up at four thirty. I'll wake up, I'll do some shit around here, and then I'll be like, "Fuck, it, I'm gonna go to work." Get to work at like five, and if I don't have the kids, I stay till like six. Get my room ready, curriculum ready. People will text me. I'm either busy. I'm just trying to fucking regather my bearings, and I don't text back just because I kind of forgot about it. Makes me sound like a dick. Or I have my kids, and I'm just like, I'm not going to, like, phone's gone for a while. So if I haven't texted back, I do apologize. With me also, like, I I have my phone on silent almost all the time. Because it's like, if I'm, if I'm well, especially, like, you know, during work hours, it's like, if I, I, have a, I have a virtual desk phone. <laughs> so during work hours, I don't really have my phone... On. And also, I've got notifications shut off on a lot of the social media apps, just because yeah. it's like I don't need that little, you know, red icon with the one in it. it. Oh, dude, when I see screenshots online of people where they have like it shows their message app and it says like four thousand three hundred thirty-seven, that gives me a panic attack. <laughs> oh my god, what's my email? Thirty thirty-two thousand one hundred and ten. How how can you deal with that? Okay. A lot of it's from like spam. I don't know, dude. I'm far too OCD. Let's see, main screen. I got nothing. Second screen, nothing. Third screen, and that's where all my social media apps are buried. I do have a one. Facebook wants to tell me something. Let's see. Yeah, and like Facebook's always fucking telling you shit that has nothing to do with you. It's yeah, like, it's like, hey, hey, like has hey, posted. yeah, like random McFucknuts posted a picture. And it's like, I don't fucking care. What does Dude. this have to do with me? Why are you just enticing me in with your red number, you fucking stupid social media app? I keep getting these weird fucking like notifications of videos I might like from like. God damn it, dude. Like, have you heard of this? Uh, like, I don't know. The, like, it's a network called like Barstool Sports. Uh, yeah, I've heard of bar sp- barstool sports before. It's got like this guy named Dave Portnoy. Like his big thing was he would go to pizzerias and try different pizzas. He, like he's from Boston. Like turns out he's kind of an asshole. But barstool sports is like this- <laughs> barstool sports is his big thing. I don't follow them at all. But like they decided to create like this boxing league where they just take normal people. And put them like in a ring with gloves and they just, they just fucking, there's no technique. They just come out like fucking swinging at each other. Wow. That sounds like a recipe for fucking head trauma. It's called the rough and rowdy brawl. And I keep getting notifications like, here's a video you might like. And it's like, they take like these two women, like they're like, oh, this one used to be one of our like ring girls. And here's like this farmer from Kentucky and they're just fucking like, they're just beating the fuck out of each other. I'm like, what in God's name, Facebook? Dude, it's it's weird. It's weird how those at? algorithms work. Like, like what the fuck? Yeah. They, they, they just decide that like, Oh, you clicked on this one time. Well, let's show you this every time you fucking log on. And it's like, no, that's not me. No. Like, I remember, like, my YouTube algorithm was so fucked up for a while, and I was so upset. It was like I clicked on one video uh, that had something to do with politics, which I usually never fucking click on videos of. And then all of a sudden, it was like almost all my top, like, 
it, it went from being like like Bill Burr and shit like that, you know, clips from Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast and stuff like that to all like, like, oh, Trump's having a full meltdown on this. And it's like, ah, fuck Trump. I don't give a shit about what's going on with him. I don't want to see his stupid orange face or hear about his fucking moronic followers or any of that shit. I don't want that. That's not entertainment to me. But these algorithms are fucking built to like show you stuff that raises your blood pressure because if you're more angry with something, you're more likely to engage with it. And all this is based on engagement because there's fucking advertisers attached to everything and advertisers pay based on engagement. And so these algorithms are fucking built to show you stuff that pisses you the fuck off. And so I had to go through and I had to keep fucking going into the options on like the Young Turks channel and be like, not interested. Don't show me anything from this channel. And then like MSNBC, don't show me shit from this channel. Like all these different like political type shows where it's like, it just wants to shove this stuff down my throat because it wants me pissed off. It wants me to doom scroll through this stuff and click on more shit. And it's like, Hey, jokes on you, YouTube. I pay for premium. So I don't even see your stupid ads. God, dude, if that wasn't a commercial for YouTube Live, I don't know what was. <laughs> dude, I don't care. I will never stop paying for YouTube Premium because I refuse. I'll watch ads on Hulu. I'll watch ads on HBO Max. I'll watch ads on Disney+. Plus. I don't give a fuck. I will not watch ads on YouTube. They're fucking terrible. God, dude, maybe I... Maybe you could share your account with me. I'm <laughs> Dude, kidding. They crack down on that. YouTube cracks down on that shit harder than any other app. It's ridiculous because like we have it signed into our computer or computer, our TV in the living room. And so like during the day when Lindsay's doing school with the kids, she'll put it on YouTube all day just to have, you know, some sort of like ambiance type music going yeah. on in the background. And then if I'm listening to, you know, different clips from like podcasts and you know, different funny shit I listen to to distract me from the monotony of my day job. Sometimes they'll conflict with each other and it'll like come up and like give a, like a warning being like, this is devices or this account's being used on two devices. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. Come on. Oh, I'm not going to pay that upcharge for the family account. YouTube premium. You can go fuck yourself right in the mouth on that. Yeah, no. And I, I only said that as a joke. Cause like I, I do use, uh, I use YouTube quite a bit in the classroom. Like, uh, I'm big into the notion that music really helps calm people down. Like, I do have Apple Music, but YouTube has some great videos where, what the fuck is it? It's like, uh... Dude, they should give you a free or subsidized YouTube premium account for educators. Because there's so many good educational videos on YouTube that you shouldn't make computer, or you shouldn't make teachers and classrooms sit through your paid ads. Yeah, no, and 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 before I was cool with it because like the paid ads would be kind of like, you know, like other te- like like uh, an ad for like this teacher that has started this really cool science program. Like okay, like I can watch five seconds of this. And so, like, I'll, I'll use YouTube for some music. I forget what it is. Uh, like, I th- I, I want to say it's like like a sick like a, to really calm down kids, especially with trauma. You want to play music that has like sixty beats per minute. Like, like uh, subconsciously, that kind of helps with like, you know, like their blood pressure or like rhythm. Like music is a very calming sense in kids. 
So I like, like, especially like if I have them, like if I'm like, oh, we're going to learn to write the letter R, go to your desk. Some kids sitting down, pulling out a pencil and paper, that could be stressful. Like, it just is. Because it, like, so, puts them on the spot. Yeah, I'll play music. And if, like, a kid really has, like, I've gotten in trouble with this, which is fucking crazy. A kid doesn't want to, like, if a kid, like, I, I've had a kid sit down, like, hey, make the letter G. They just can't do it. Like, their legs are shaking. I'll be like, stand up. Give me your chair. I'll put the chair, like, somewhere else. But, like, you want to do the standing up. Makes the perfect fucking G. All we had to do was stand up. I've had a principal be like, they should be sitting down doing that. But don't we want Listen them to Listen here, administrator. The <laughs> oh, man. I will tell you that this child made a perfect capital G after he stood up. Fuck like, off. what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Dude, like, I don't get this now being in a charter school, but when I was in a public school, we would have these visits once a week from central office, and we called them the clipboard police. If I shared this story before... Tell me to fuck uh, off. No, I've never heard of the clipboard police, but I immediately know who you're talking about. Man, so these people will come in. Kids could be so engaged, right? They would be so fucking engaged in what I was doing. They come in. There's usually five of them, and they're just eyeing, eyeing the room. And they're you, you hear their pens just fucking sliding on the paper, making like a check. Like, oh, this bulletin board paper wasn't five inches the way it should be. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's my some first, nitpicky bullshit right there. My first year I'm fucking in my head about it. Get to like year five where I know you can't do shit to me. Like I did join the union. So like, if you really have a problem, you have to talk to my union leader and like, good luck getting me fired. You know what I mean? Like I'm a male kindergarten teacher. I'm a fucking unicorn. Like I'm teaching like I'm a, a unicorn. <laughs> I'm a male fucking kindergarten teacher in the highest segregated sit, city in the in, in the country in the highest demographic of kids that don't have a dad that don't have a positive male role model. Like you're going to fire me because whatever. So I'm getting fucking pissed because they're coming in and the kids get distracted. They're looking around and then my principal's like, oh, they didn't do gun the test. Yeah, well, because you got these fucking people coming in, fucking watching us. The kids are distracted. So I went to like Office Depot one day and I bought a really nice fucking clipboard. And I just put – I always had a blank piece of paper and whenever these clipboard police would come in, I would send them to their tables and be like, this is the work we're going to do. Pull out this worksheet. And Joe, honest to God, I would take this clipboard and I would walk up right next to these, like, like not even like principals, but just people that haven't been in the classroom for years that now have these like office jobs and central office that are telling me what to do when you can't relate to a kid today, but somehow, you know, what I'm doing wrong. So I would take this clipboard and I would walk up like in front of them or next to them. And I would kind of look up and down and I go, Hmm. And I would make a check on this piece of paper and they wouldn't see my piece of paper, but I walk up to each one of them and be like, Hmm. And I would make my own checks. <laughs> That's some excellent passive aggressive shit. And I'm totally here for it. 
I got in so much fucking trouble, man. Uh. <laughs> I got in so much fucking trouble. Uh, you, you made the observers feel less than, and um, it's they feel it is their job to make you feel less than. Uh, they did not like that mirror of reality being shown back upon them. Well, I was told that my job, like, and I told this to the principal, they said they felt your presence was distracting them from their job. And I said, that's funny because their presence distracts me and my students from my job. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. And the principal's like, you know what side I have to take. Theirs because you're a fucking weak bitch. Dude, this guy was a piece of shit, man. <laughs> Hey, when it comes down to it, principals are like the definition of middle management. They have a superintendent to to answer to who has a school board to answer to. They are middle management. Exactly. And like I get like that's why, Joe, I bet, man, like the last school I was at, I was offered – what the fuck was it called? Dean of Culture, which is essentially – it's essentially vice principal. There's just a new title for it. Like, we had a dean of culture and we had a dean of academics. I was offered dean of culture because they're like, hey, you know, you're really good at getting kids to kind of deal with their emotions in your classroom. Do you want to do it with 500 kids? And I'm not going to lie. Like, I was real. I was fucking enticed. Like, dude, I can work with all these kids. Like, yeah. But then I'm like, but I got to deal with the fucking... I got to deal with that middle management bullshit. I like, I am that guy now. Like I can, I can never see myself. And even at this new school, there was talk of becoming the Dean of culture at this place. And it's like, no, I want my own classroom. I want my 50 kids. I have now or 55 or whatever. Like that's what I want. I don't want to become the like. I feel like that's the origin of my villain story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yes, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> this like, is where I could start going dark. <laughs> well, yeah, because then, like, one year outside of the classroom turns into three years, and now, like, I'm really not like on. I don't want to say battleground, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm not in the trenches. I'm not. Oh no, dude, I get it. And then all of a sudden, you're in this different position that has slightly different priorities. You care about excelling in the job that you're in, and now all of a sudden, you're valuing these different priorities on what you understand, what you viscerally understand the priorities of the teacher should be, but they can't be your same priorities when you're in this different position. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow. Now I'm the enemy. All of a sudden, I'm telling my teachers to get on board with my priorities when I fucking know for a fact that my priorities are not their priorities because I was in their position for many years. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And yep, Joe, I get I, you, dude. I was asked, what is the, like your end game? What's your dream like job in education? I went home. I fucking thought about it. I came back. I said, honestly, I want to be a coach. And they're like, of basketball? I go, no. (laughs) Of young people. I go, I want to coach teachers. Oh, even better, dude. 
I go, I don't want to be into any of like policy change, curriculum change. I want to go into a classroom, maybe two classrooms a week. I want to observe a day. I want to see all the fucking amazing things they're doing that I can tell the other people I'm coaching they're doing. And I want to see some of the things, you know, like, again, like I've been in this 10 years. I think there's some things I do pretty good. Like I want to share, I I think I'm really good. I think I'm okay at managing a class. Like, I think I'm good at managing behaviors. Like I have not, Joe, my 10 years of teaching, I have had two suspensions. I've had two suspensions and like the fucking thousands of kids I've seen or close to a thousand kids that I've seen throughout my career, like two suspensions, never an expulsion. And the suspension was usually for something really, really bad, like bringing a weapon to school. But it was never something I couldn't handle in my class. Like I just want to get in. Oh, these were students of yours that got suspensions. Two students of my – I've had two students in my entire career that have been suspended. Dude, up until you said bringing weapons to school, I was like, what the fuck is Paul doing that he's getting suspended from work? What sort of fucking arguments is he getting in where he's standing up for these kids to administration where they're like, you're out of here, Hart. You're out of line. No, 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 no. Two suspensions of students, of students. I'm with you now. I've never personally – I've only been I've only been sent home once, but that was because uh, I was told that a former student of mine had passed away. Oh shit! Yeah, dude, that that would be hard to deal with. And it was it, like it, it was more of a protocol thing of like and, taught this kid last year. Oh, definitely something s- best left to deal with in private. I'm so sorry. That is a- again, there's no fucking greater tragedy than than you know a younger generation not outliving a previous generation. That's it's, it's not the natural order and it's absolutely tragic when it happens. Yeah. It was, it was rough, but that's the only time I've been actually told to go home by admin. But like of all my years of teaching, I've only had two kids suspended. I mean, I'm the teacher now that gets the big thing now for schools is there really isn't an at home suspension anymore. It's uh, we're going to find a different classroom for you to go to. That's interesting. And almost every year, every school I've been at within a year, I become that classroom. Which is great because at first the kids fucking hate it. You know what I mean? Like they fucking hate it because they come in. They're like, and I just toss them like a like a thing of Clorox wipes and like wipe the tables. You know, sit over there, do your work and then like. Like, uh, I, like I do a lot of small groups, you know, if the kid isn't being a complete asshole by this time, I'm like, Hey, can you go check out this small group? Make sure they do what they're doing. Walk around, help out where it comes to the point now that at first it was like a a punishment for this kid to my classroom. Now I'm talking to their teachers now, like, Hey, if this student has a good day, they want to know if they can come to your classroom and run a small group. But yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like I need all the help I can get. Let's get them in here. But that's the kind of thing I want to like pass on. Like, like 
you know, I'm a kindergarten teacher. I'm getting older. Like, there's no way in 20 years, Joe, am I going to be able to, like, be as animated as I am in the classroom, be as physical, you know, with, like, kindergarten teacher, you got to be, like, a physical comedian. Like, I like to purposely trip over a desk and fall on the ground and the kids laugh. (laughs) But then I praise the kid that comes over and asks if I'm okay because that's fucking empathy. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? Like in 20 years, I don't, I can't do the type of things I do in a classroom. So my end game is to kind of pass whatever nuggets you can see what I do in a room. But also like I've seen some of the best teachers do what they do. They're much different than me. Like I want to pass this on to the next generation. So my dream, my dream job would to be like an educational coach Like, I want to see what this next generation of teaching has to offer. And if there's anything I can say to help, I would fucking love it. No, that's brilliant. And I think that that's something that teachers at large need. Um, I know know this is something I've talked with you about before, but, like, I I had that that awful teacher when I was in third grade that – that made me stand up in front of the classroom and everybody took a turn saying something they didn't like about me. And it was one of those things where it's like, if, if I like search my memory banks as hard as I can, I do not remember standing up in front of that classroom and doing it. But I remember my mom telling me that it happened. I remember my mom saying that, that I was just being very quiet And so she asked my best friend what happened, and he told her what happened. And so it's like, well, fuck, that means it really happened. That 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 defense, that psychological defense mechanism of taking a traumatic traumatic event and just totally blanking it out from your mind, full in effect in my brain because I can't remember it happening. But if I think about like the the different ways, just different quirks of my personality and how I am, it totally fits. That, that like, I I don't do it so much anymore now as as like a 42-year-old man, but when I was younger, I was definitely super concerned with, like, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to do things that intentionally make somebody not like me. And so, therefore, I I tend to be accommodating. Like, I can, to the point where it's like, at times, I can be a pushover. Like, in that last episode of PCL, when Brian was like, oh, do you want the, you know, you didn't get your copy of Sonic 2. Do you want this copy of Smile? And I was like, no, no, somebody else can have it. But in my mind, I'm like, I'd fucking love a copy of Smile. That movie's fucking great. And then, like, they're giving me shit about it. I'm like, you know what? Fuck. I would do it. That's that's me fucking, I'm falling back on that fucking default. And and I think a lot of that stems back to that, that it must have been traumatic as fuck for a third grade Joe to be standing up thinking that these are my classmates. They all like me. And in fact, no, they don't. And they all gave you a reason why they didn't like you. What a piece of shit teacher. Oh, right? I can't believe that shit. I can't. Oh, God. Her name was Mrs. Keller. I don't. uh... Yeah, I remember her first name. I won't say it because there might be laws against doxing and shit like that. But yeah, what just a horrible fucking person to like to, to do that to a child. Like, what the fuck? But I don't know. It's like. I, it just makes me happy to know that there are teachers like like you out there because that's the the polar opposite 
of that one teacher I had that did something that I'm pretty sure psychologically damaged me for a long time. And it wasn't that long ago that I was having lunch with my mom and she told me that. And I was like, fuck, that's real? That really did happen. Fuck. Man. Crazy shit, dude. Man, about like... God, about six... How old is Emmett? Seven. Set about seven years ago now, maybe eight, is when I got my second uh, teacher of the year thing. And it's like a school-based thing. Like it's not like teacher of the year out of all the schools. Like each school gets one. Um, so I, I was feeling a little bit cocky. And it's funny, third grade, um, I went to a private school and uh, – Private schools don't have to do any special education stuff. At least in Wisconsin, they don't. Um, so, like, if you have, like, a learning disability, they really don't. They, they don't have to follow the, the state-mandated rules. They kind of follow their own. It was a church school and shit like that. Because my parents, God bless them, thought if we sent our kids to a private school, they have a one-up because public schools and the shitter. Um, and, uh, all up until eighth grade, I had the, I stuttered, like I, it, it struggled, I struggled so hard to get a word out. Like, and every, every morning we had to read Bible verses. Like we would like start with the book of Genesis and like Genesis verse one, the first kid in this row read it. Then the second kid in the row read the second verse, blah, blah, blah. Come my turn. And I just couldn't get the words out. Couldn't get the words out. Had a terrible list where I said all my, like, like I said everything out of the side of my mouth. So like when I would say, Shh, I'd be like, Shh. you know, I just sound like a fucking, I sound like a cartoon character. And third grade, like, I had really bad penmanship. I still do, which is funny because I teach kids how to write. Can't read my fucking chicken scratch. <laughs> that is ironic. <laughs> so fucking call me a la- <laughs> call me a set. Dude, my handwriting's terrible, too, even when I try. It's sad. So I, I get up to, like, we had to write this thing. We had to write some kind of fucking, like, uh, we had to write, like, an opinion thing in third grade. And I get up there and I'm just fucking I'm struggling to even say the first word. And fucking Mrs. Shea, Mrs. Shea, Shea, we thinking about her, Joe, I stuttered. (laughs) That's fucking thinking about her. I stuttered. That had to have been psychosomatic. I can't get it out of my I can't get the words out. And all of a sudden she goes, what, 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 you can't read. What the fuck, dude? Funny when Billy Madison did it. Not funny when a teacher does it. And you know, like all the kids or or something like you can't read your own handwriting. Something fucking stupid. All the kids are laughing and I go home crying and blah, blah, blah. I get my second teacher of the year award. Fucking Emmett is maybe it was May. So he was March. He was three months old. We decide it's finally like a nice spring day. We go to the local mall. We're just walking around because it's still not like super nice out, but like the mall's a nice place. You can get the stroller out. You can walk. You can do all of that. And 
fucking I look over and there's like a huge group of like older ladies. Like I notice a bunch of them are from the church I went to and there's like a couple of my teachers being Mrs. Shea. Like, God damn it, dude. (laughs) Mrs. Shea. I can't. God, this fucking bitch. Um, She's fucking there. We're walking by. And one of the really cool teachers like, hey, Paul, Paul. You know, and invites me over, and I'm saying hi, and she comes up, and she's like, "Oh, so what are you doing?" I go, "I became a teacher," and she just kind of, she goes, "You are?" I go, "Yeah." And then um, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Crowis says, "Why did you become like? When did you decide to become a teacher?" And I go, "Well, remember in third grade, I got made fun of by my teacher, and I promised that no other kid." would have to go through that. And I just looked right at her and I took my kids and I walked away. Dude, smart play by, by playing it like that. Just saying my teacher and, and not being like, well, I had this bitch right here as a teacher. And she was so traumatizing to me that I thought to myself, gee, I could do better than that in my sleep. And here I am knocking it out of the park. Have I told you I have teacher of the year two years now? Oh, man, dude, I wish I would have had that fucking plaque on me. <laughs> I have been wearing it like Flavor Flav. That's what dude. I was just going to say. It's <laughs> classic. And it's like, I mean, those are cool awards. Like, I don't know. I've gotten into a fight with Jess Candelore. I got into like a huge, like, I got into a huge argument, like not an argument, kind of a debate with June and Jess because I would have got my fourth one last year. But, like, I was telling them, and, like, I turned it down. I'm like, I'm like, I don't agree with this award system because I don't see what I'm doing is going above and beyond anything. Like, I'm just, I'm just doing what is expected and paid of me. Like, like, let's cut these awards, let's cut these ceremonies, and let's get our kids some fucking Chromebooks. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Oh, I get it. You know, and like Amberly, June and Jess are like, yeah, but like it's still like an accomplishment. Like, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, accolades are accolades. I get where they're coming from, but I also understand where you're coming from with it too. That, it's you just... know, if 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 the school district is presenting an award to a teacher that they feel is a prestigious award, and that teacher is saying no, I'm not going to accept that word. And instead I want you to listen to this and think about it. And then you go and give that award to somebody else. But I took this moment to make sure you understood where I was coming from. So I get it. I get it. I'm not trying to like toot a horn or anything, but it's just like, you know, I don't, I don't like dude. I'm like, I can't sit here and lie. Like the first time I got it, fuck. Like, it was, like, the pinnacle, you know what I mean? Like, this is really fucking cool. Second time, still cool. Third time, it's like, okay. You know, but then it's like, okay, let's stop this. Like, I'm just, you paid me to come in and do what I do. That's it. Like, I don't want to go to a fucking dinner hosted by, like, our local meteorologist. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. Speaking of meteorologists... And, you know, this, this the Iowa sportscaster. Yes. Guy? Yes. Oh my God. That cracked me the fuck up. I was so, going to ask you, is he like super local to you? 
I'm I'm pretty sure they're based out of Waterloo, which is just like in maybe 45 minutes north of me or something like that. Nice. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, if I were to hook up an antenna to one of my TVs and tune into one of the local digital stations, he'd be like Channel 7 for me. Okay. So he was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. So they. So if you're not, if you're not, if you didn't hear this story yet, um, look up Iowa sportscaster Blizzard, and and you'll you'll get you'll be able to watch this video of the highlights. But basically, they took the sportscaster and made him just go out and stand in this fucking winter blizzard that is currently in the Midwest. Like right now, to put things in perspective, last night the real feel was negative thirty five where I'm at. Mm. Like it's, it's cold as shit. Like a, a little bit ago, I, I checked my, my security camera feed and it's literally snowing fucking sideways out right now because it's, it's been a blizzard here all day in Iowa. And so they took this poor sportscaster and they're like, Hey, nothing's going on right now. Why don't you go outside and stand on a fucking street corner and talk about how people shouldn't be out in this blizzard? And this guy was cranky about it in <laughs> the way, the sarcasm that he brought Every time they talked to him was so fucking funny that, that I implore all of you to look up this video and watch it because it was great. A lot of the comments on the guy's Twitter feed were basically in the vein of, dude, you fucked up. You were far too entertaining on that. They're going to make you do this all the time now. And and I agree because he was very entertaining with, with his uh, sardonic and sarcastic fucking take on the situation. Oh my god, wasn't he like, this is a long show, so if you want to see me get crabbier and crabbier, <laughs> keep fucking watching. Yes. <laughs> and at one point, they're like, they're like, hey, how you doing out there? He's like, well, about the same as I was doing when you asked me that same question eight minutes ago. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I absolutely applaud the guy for, for doing that. I mean, because can you imagine if if like your job is to never get woken up and asked to go stand outside in a blizzard in negative 35 degree temps at 3.30 in the morning for pointless. He's basically out there being told, and he even said that at some point, I'm standing out here in the cold, in the freezing wind and and blowing snow to tell you that you should not be doing this yourself. (laughs) Keep tuning in to see me getting crabbier and crabbier. Fucking brilliant. The guy was so funny. Dude, yeah, I fucking loved it. But yeah, dude, it is cold as fucking shit in the Midwest right now. Like, I barely left my house at all today. I had to go out because I realized my uh, gas tank was maybe like at a quarter left. I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that. Fuck up the fuel injector. And oh, man, yeah. I went out and I pumped up my gas to maybe like almost full. Dude, I have no idea. Like, my beard was frozen. I was outside for, like, four minutes today. <laughs> like, I think we were at negative 27 with the wind chill. I was Yuck. like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's wild that you're in Milwaukee. You're so much further north than me. And it was almost 10 degrees warmer for you. It's fucking crazy. It is it is fucking nuts, but it was a it was almost a perfect day to be this cold because I hate to like do a transition, but I mean it was Glass Onion Day, man. <laughs> yeah, this is true. 
Uh, Glass Onion finally dropped on Netflix because they were fucking stupid. And they only ran it in the theater for a week. Um, you and I both went and saw it in the theater when it was in its initial debut. And I firmly believe that if they had done just a traditional opening, they'd have made so much money on that. And Glass Onion, it's a sequel to Knives Out, which if you haven't seen Knives Out, it's it's a like it's a murder mystery in the vein of like Agatha Christie novels. And it's it's just fantastic. It's got a an ensemble cast, great story, keeps you guessing till the end. And uh, Glass Onion being a sequel to it, like absolutely delivered. In my opinion, I I've watched it twice now. I think it's better than Knives Out. It it did everything it needed to do to be this perfect like anthology type sequel, where it's just carrying over the main character of this detective Benoit Blanc, Benoit Blanc played by Daniel Craig, and you know he's he's got a new mystery to look after in this one. In in my opinion, like the third act of Glass Onion is one of the best third acts in in any movie. The when they go back and kind of explain the story again giving you the full story. It's just fucking chef's kiss. It's beautiful. It's a, it was a perfect movie. I love the cast in it. Um, do Edward Norton playing, <laughs> playing this like Elon Musk S character, especially in light of like all the dumb decisions that Elon Musk has been making in, in regards to Twitter. Like, I really feel like this, this character that, that, um, Edward Norton plays in glass. I what's his name? Miles Braun. Miles Braun. This Miles Braun character, it has got to be an analog of Elon Musk, where it's like everybody thinks he's this super genius, but in reality, no, he's a fucking moron and he makes stupid fucking choices. <laughs> and like this, this super genius persona is just well crafted PR. Yeah, let's throw up a quick spoiler thing. Like, cause... <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that that super spoils much in the movie. No. But but and, and like I do not want to spoil the end of this movie. I just want to say no. go out and see it. But but that's definitely one of those things that that I couldn't help but walking away from. And if I had a chance to ask Ryan Johnson, especially off the record, I'd be like, he's Elon, right? <laughs> so to me, to me, he's three. He he's two real people, and he's one like fictional person. Um, in present time, he's definitely Elon Musk. Like, 100%. There's this scene where he's arguing with, uh, God damn it, what's her name? What's her actual? Janelle Monet. They're, like, in a boardroom. And he's got, like, jeans and, like, a black turtleneck long-sleeve shirt. Where I'm like, okay, you're being Steve Jobs now. Oh, yeah, Totally. Yeah, th- and then that dude until the ends of time, he he owns the turtleneck, right? Yeah, and then when we're at the flashbacks at the bar, he is fucking Tom Cruise's character from Magnolia. Oh my god, to a T! I had never thought of that before. <laughs> I've never seen Magnolia, but I remember. Like, I've got this weird ability to like remember trailers to like like an a very I don't know to a high degree to the point where it's like why. Why brain? Why are you fucking wired this way? But yeah, I totally get that reference that you're talking about. He's got like the vest on, like the weird layered long hair. Yes, yes, the douchey long hair. <laughs> and like kind of like a motivational type of guy. Like he's just hyping people up, but he's full of shit. Um, 
Man, so like I did this wonderful thing where I watched the first one today, and then I watched the second one, and then I watched the first one again, and I watched the second one two more times. Like it's definitely not a direct sequel, but goddamn, do they have some really fucking cool references? Yeah, yeah. There's some little little hints to it, like the one where he's he's you know saying that. Um, like the big one that I picked up was when he's saying that an anonymous invite to a gathering is ominous, in my opinion. Oh yeah. So I'm not going to give away the the huge cameo. But there's a really fun scene where um, Dan Craig's character is talking to another character in like a weight training room. And in the background, there's one of those, I don't even like, 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 is it a Peloton type of screen? And it says, yeah, like, something you, like that. You can train with like Serena Williams, you know, some bullshit like that. And they're talking yeah. and talking. All of a sudden, you realize. Serena Williams is like on a Zoom call on this thing. (laughs) She's just sitting there reading a book. (laughs) Uh, Joe, I paused it. Do you know what book she's reading? No, I did not look. What is it? She is reading Gravity's Rainbow. Oh my gosh. Is that one of the dudes like murder mysteries that he wrote? Gravity's Rainbow is specifically referenced in the first movie when, um, Daniel Craig is talking to Ana de Armas outside. He's smoking a cigar and he's like, the whole thing is like gravity's rainbow. And she's like, and and he's like, you know what that is? She's like, I know it's a book, but I never read it. He's like, yeah, nobody's read it. Oh, how about that? I figured it was one of that Thromby guys books, but dude, it's an even deeper reference than that. That's cool. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know if you caught this in the, like I caught this today, and I've seen the original Knives Out maybe a hundred times now. It used to be my sleepy time show, and it's got this whole grandma type thing. But um, there is a picture of Harlan Thromby, like in the study, and you like it, like it's a painted portrait, and you see it multiple times. Every time I notice this today, every time you see it in the first movie. The expression on his face is always different. That's incredible. I've never caught that before, but I love that detail. It's always different. And then in a glass onion, there's a comment about the Mona Lisa that there was different broad strokes done so that the expression changes every time you look at it. Yeah, yeah. And then I know for a fact, Joe, I think it was a start cast. You and I have talked about, oh, you know what? I think I got to tell you this off air. <laughs> to the, the listeners, fuck you. You don't it, get to hear it. <laughs> no, because cause how I'm going to say it gives away a huge thing. Okay, okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Unless you want to <laughs> skip over 30 seconds. Okay, yeah, here is your spoiler warning or spoiler warning. If you haven't seen uh Glass Onion, skip ahead, you know, one thirty second skip ought to do it. Paul, go for it. Okay. Very quickly, uh when the movie first came out, Ryan Johnson made a comment that he was able to get Apple products, but Apple specifically told him the villain in the movie cannot use an Apple product, right? Uh-huh. In this movie, Daniel Craig asks what happens if he wins something. Like, it, like what happens if – what does the winner get if they solve this? Yeah, the winner this? gets an iPad. <laughs> yeah. 
someone throws an iPad to him, literally throwing an Apple product out of their hands to our hero. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, those are just some of the things, and I fucking I love this movie so much, man. Oh, dude, it was it was just so good. I enjoyed it just as much on the second viewing as I did on that first viewing in the theater, and it did good numbers in the theater too. I I Netflix really think is dumb as fuck. Yes, I I really think they made a tactical error in doing that, and I think eventually on a long enough timeline, we're gonna see a lot of these movies that have been going straight to streaming. They're gonna stop. And it's like, just just go and let them have their run in the theater. And anymore, it's like, dude, right now, I could go see Violent Night in the theater, or I could watch Violent Night. I could rent it for $19.99 and watch it at home right now. And as like, cool as, as like the, the homebody in me thinks that is, I think it's doing a disservice to that, that movie where it's like, no, it's like, just... Make people go fucking see it in the theater. It's like if you the word of mouth on this movie is so good, and <clears throat> I don't know. I I I think that that if, on a long enough time scale, we're going to see that go away, and and I think it's rightly so because these you know the theater experience for these movies is it's great. Like I, <clears throat> Violet Night was one of those movies to where I wish I could have seen it with more than like the seven people that were in there. And also I feel like the crowds in Cedar Rapids where, where I primarily see movies are so fucking reserved. Like most of the time, if somebody's like hooting and hollering and cheering and laughing and stuff during theaters, it's fucking me. And it's probably a bunch of other people being like, what's up with that guy up there? It's like yeah, it all a bunch depends. of fucking <laughs> just so reserved. It's weird. It all depends on what theater I go to. Like, if I want, like, a rowdy fucking crowd, I know what theater to go to. If I want, like, a chill theater experience, I go to this place that's, like, smack dab in the middle of, like, eight retirement homes. You know what I mean? Like, which sucked because the only theater I could see Endgame at was at the retirement home place. So, like, I'm sitting there fucking cheering when Cap has me all near. Yeah, I, I felt like I was the only one cheering opening night when that happened. And I was in a packed auditorium. And like when he picked it up, I was like, yeah. And then like a part of my brain was like, wow, you're the only person who did that. People probably think badly of you now. That's going back to the fucking Mrs. Keller, that bitch. <laughs> Fuck her. Fuck Mrs. Keller. <laughs> or like in the same movie, like I'm sitting there, you know, when like Cap is like Avengers and I yell out Assemble. I got people turning to me going, shh. I'm like, fuck you. No shit. It's like, are you really a fan? Why are you here opening night? Get the fuck out of here. Stupid piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Also, um, and this is only, I never would have got the, and this is not, some people might even know who this is. Um, Because I've been watching the West Wing, there was this whole episode where Yo-Yo Ma I believe that's his name. He's that North Korean piano player. If you know who that is. No clue, but go on. So there was this whole episode on West Wing of how he wanted to defect. Right. And this was like 20 years ago. Uh, Because I just watched this episode last night. I'm watching it today. There is a scene where they are trying to Shazam or whatever the fuck it's called a song that's being played as part of a puzzle. And this guy comes up 
while Kate Hudson's trying to Shazam it, and this guy comes up and tells you the whole history of this song. It's fucking Yo-Yo Ma from fucking... <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like, that's Yo-Yo Ma. And the fact that they have Angela Lansbury in this movie is just beautiful. Oh, there's so many great cameos. Yeah. Like, like I, I almost feel like it would do a disservice to the movie to even mention them, so I won't. But, but every time I saw him, I'm like, oh, oh, I know. The, the vaccine giver on the dock. Dude. And what's great is. Like, you're good. <laughs> he, was, he was doing a TV show in Greece, this actor. Found out Knives Out was shooting. Called Ryan Johnson and said, I have a day. Do you have something for me? Oh, my gosh. I love that. And Ryan Johnson's like, yeah. I do. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. So some like no name extra lost a job that day. Oh, and he was so great in that. He role. was just, so good. Just, at you're good. It. You're, you're good. good. <laughs> <laughs> the ponytail and everything. Oh my gosh! And the weird futuristic gun. Oh, I loved it. And um, the the roommate cameo also was fantastic. I was well, not expecting that. That's uh, he he was Trooper Wagner. Like, I mean, if you've seen a Ryan Johnson movie, he's in every Ryan Johnson movie. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. You're talking. Okay, never mind. I'm talking about Daryl. Yeah, you thought I was talking about (laughs) Daryl. I love Daryl, too. It was fantastic. You're not talking about Daryl. You're talking about. Yeah, I was talking about Benoit Blanc's roommate. But but Daryl, the the dude that's just kind of there crashing at Miles Brown's place on the island, but he's not part of the murder mystery weekend was fantastic. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the live-in partner, I cheered in the theater. And I got – I cheered and I got kind of nervous. And then like a couple other people like, yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and like this isn't a spoiler, but I kind of love the fact that we got to see like an eensy bitsy part of Benoit Blanc's personal life. Like – we got to see that – like I do love the fact that this really hit on COVID-19. Like we saw actors wearing masks in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we got to see how it's fucking up Benoit Blanc. And I, I just want to like start taking baths now so I can wear like a Turkish hat like that. <laughs> and also was he wearing like – was oh yeah, fat like was he wearing like a full blown like bathrobe over his suit in one scene? Oh shit, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again and actively look for that. Like there's a person that comes to his apartment to talk to him and he meets this person on the balcony of his apartment and he's got like a robe on, but if you look closely, he's got like a shirt and tie and like a suit jacket on <laughs> underneath incredible. the robe it's like okay benoit blanc you got some like daniel craig he's a fucking sexy guy man. maybe it's more of like a smoking jacket right <laughs> no it was a full-blown robe dude like it went over <laughs> awesome. like like it went down to his shins <laughs> like and his like his swimsuit he wears like it's like the greek flag but it's like a full-blown t-shirt and shorts and he's like walking around the pool in it yeah that shit was hilarious and dave batista i I mean this guy gets better with every movie he's in (laughs) that tiny little fucking bikini bottom he's wearing with the fucking gun holster oh my god (laughs) what What is he like 
what is he like a male rights activist? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, his his character in this is hilarious, dude. The top of his head is wrinkly like a sharpe. Dude, I thought his brain was sticking out. So I thought at first. Damn. You fucking broke me with that one. <laughs> fucking hilarious. I was like, dude, man. <laughs> Grow some hair, oh, bro. Classic. Holy shit, that was funny. It is it's so wrinkly where it's like, dude, how is your head just like statically wrinkly like that? Dude. <laughs> I don't know. Hot shit. <laughs> so I mean I'll always say Benoit Blanc was my favorite character in this movie but if you had like a favorite out of this new cast who would it be oh shit uh, favorite out of the new cast I kind of have two I have Kate Hudson and I have Whiskey <laughs> they're whiskey both great fucking, Kate... Whiskey was hot dude oh yeah yeah duh. that goes without saying um yeah, Kate Hudson was really bringing it too. That scene where she was like walking out, like kind of flaunting it in the bikini, it was like, "Oh my god, like, well done!" Like how to lose me in ten days, right? <laughs> yeah, but her character was hilarious. Uh, she was like, "I tell it like it is." <laughs> oh my god! Like you, you said you like related to Harriet Tubman yeah. in spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that shit was all pretty hilarious. Um. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This was this was just a brilliant follow-up. I, I absolutely loved it. It's it's super accessible now. It's on Netflix. Almost everybody has Netflix. Or, you know, supposedly in this next month, they're going to start cracking down on the password sharing. So before that happens, if you don't have your own Netflix, but you're using somebody else's, watch this shit before they crack down on you. Um, yeah, brilliant fucking movie, dude. Oh, yeah. Um... And it's funny, like, it's funny, like, especially like on a rewatch, it's funny. I'm thinking back to when I first saw it, how much Ryan Johnson actually shows you on the rewatch. Like, oh, shit, like this. Oh, yeah. Gives it no, away. You totally. If you're looking for it, it absolutely happens. The the way that it really happens, like that first go. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I I noticed that too on the rewatch. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, oh yeah. I, I think we both are talking about the same scene. I think so too. Wink, 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 wink. Intense. <laughs> but yeah, there's just so there's so like, and it's funny like how when I watched it the first time, I'm just like, "God, dude, I didn't see any of this coming." And then I rewatch, I'm like, "How the fuck did you miss this?" But you're just so. Ryan Johnson just does a beautiful job directing and writing and kind of putting doubts in your mind. Yeah, agreed. Where you're like, oh, shit, because they even give it from another point of view. It's like, no, I actually did this. They're like, Oh, yeah, OK, OK. What I saw before wasn't right. Oh, OK. OK, yeah. <laughs> you're right, Ryan. You're right. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's excellent. It's an excellent murder mystery, um, a fantastic 
uh, sequel to Knives Out. If you haven't seen either of them, you are really in for a treat because you've got two fantastic murder mysteries in a row that you can watch. Um, oh yeah, and which um, cast? They're both on like Netflix that? too, right? Um, I don't think the first one is no. I own the first one on digital, so I you know what I didn't even look, so I don't know. Gotcha. I think you were asking which cast I liked better. Yeah. Yeah, dude, right now, like, I'm I'm really up on Glass Onion, on Glass right? Onion. Like, I, I like that cast better right now. But yeah. that's not to take anything away, like, from from these, like, to use, like, PCL's rating systems, they're, they're bo- both movies are the highest of Tupperwares for me. Like, I can't say that one edges out the other. They They exist perfectly together. Like, they don't need to compete with each other because they're both fantastic movies to watch on their own. So now I was thinking because because we know we're gonna get a third one, that was part of this huge Netflix deal. Yeah. Like this is something that's bouncing off of my head, and I want to know what you think. Like, do you think we're gonna get another like Benoit Blanc is brought in to solve a crime, or do you think like to cap off this trilogy? Maybe Benoit Blanc is going to be framed and he has to solve his own crime. Oh, shit. Yeah, that'd be a wild. I mean, definitely be a different direction than they've taken it before. And I think it could I think it could be the possibility of bringing a couple people back from these past two movies. That may or may not have a hand in it or may or may not be there to help him. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting way to tie in the other movies. Um, yeah, I'd be okay with just getting another one that's not even hardly interconnected, because I feel like you can just go into Glass Onion and watch it with never seeing Knives Out, and you'd be totally fine. You're really not missing out on anything. Oh, exactly. I and feel I would like- be totally cool with like a third one being in that same vein, but but I get where you're coming from with that too, and I think that that's a fairly good idea too. That because it'd be a way to bring it in, and especially if it's only going to be three movies, it'd be a good way to tie them together. And it could be a good way to bring in that cameo we both really enjoyed to be like a lead cast member of this movie. I mean, yeah, that could totally work. I'd be interested. I mean, I'm just, I'm super interested to see what he's going to give us. Because the one thing I love about Ryan Johnson is that he's not afraid to give you something that you're totally not expecting. And I really, really fucking, I absolutely love and respect him for what he did with The Last Jedi. That there I was, love The Last Jedi. Oh, I love it too. But there was such a fervor among the fan base and like, especially the age of podcasting and YouTube channels and shit like that. There was so much just public out there speculation of what could happen. And like, you know, JJ did a good job of laying those breadcrumbs. And so a lot of fan theories were like really fucking legit. Like you could totally see how it could go that way because it filled in all these boxes perfectly in with the lore in the IP. And instead, Ryan Johnson came in and he's like, nah, fuck all your theories. I'm going to give you something completely different. And that took a lot of fucking guts to do that. Yeah, and you know, I love this guy to death. I do think one of the biggest things that helped fuel the hate was like like maybe a week or two after it opened, Mark Hamill came out and said, yeah, I wasn't a fan of what he did with Luke Skywalker. 
and it kind of fueled the hate. And then a couple months later, Mark Hamill comes out. I was like, you know, I watched a movie like, yeah, Ryan Johnson really got it. Yeah. But I think that initial response did not help the fanboys who may have not have liked seeing, you know, like that's the thing that works so good in comics with like Spider-Man and, and Batman is most of the time these characters are static where they don't have a lot of change. So you take a character that we have loved as Luke Skywalker and you take that staticness away from him, someone who was such a true believer in the Jedi to now someone that's totally against it. Like a lot of, like, I mean, star Wars has one of the most toxic fan bases to begin with. Hmm, Yeah. Like fucking Asian actresses have had to leave social media for their only crime is that they were in a star Wars movie. You know what I mean? So you get Mark Hamill coming out and saying that I don't think that helped. I don't think that initial response helped. I don't think people cared enough for his second response. I did. I was glad he said the second one because I agreed that I love seeing such a, uh, an awesome hero go through such a big change like Luke Skywalker did in the last Jedi. Oh yeah. No, dude, I, I, I totally agree. I, I loved last Jedi from the start and, and, and I thought that was the most interesting thing that you could do with that character. And in, in the way that he came in and he was like, I'm going to subvert your expectations almost every time is, it was brilliant. I fucking loved it. Yeah. I fucking, yeah. I love that movie so much. It's, it's, it's definitely my favorite one out of the new trilogy. Oh yeah, easily, it's got the easily. most interesting shit going on in it for sure. Yeah, wow. dude, I I've had the best time talking with you tonight. Man, dude, isn't this always a blast? <laughs> it's always so much fun talking with you, and the time always just flies by. I know. I just looked up. I'm like, ah, damn, we've been doing this for like two hours forty five minutes. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been oh god, we're going back. Fucking <laughs> more nineties music or early two thousands. Somewhere there. like <laughs> that's what you needed. Like if you wanted to be like a two thousands band, like I mean, like 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 fucking Lifehouse. Like I'm hanging on this moment here with you. Like yeah, that's all you needed. <laughs> god, I haven't thought of that song for fucking ever. That's funny. Or, like, what was the Spider-Man theme with, like, like they took the fucking lead singers from Nickelback and Saliva. Because a hero will save us. Like, that's, oh, that's yeah. all you needed. I was thinking of the Corey Taylor one, the Bother song that was on, maybe it was Spider-Man 2. Bother yeah, no, I was, was thinking on. about that original. Like, yeah, let's get the <laughs> lead singer from... Save Get the fuck or, out of here. <laughs> or like any Creed song. Yeah, like, dude. I don't know. You take me higher. <laughs> like they all had the same thing. Yeah, it's like they were all just running in riding Eddie Vedder's coattails. <laughs> like we all need to have this weird fucking twang to our voice where is it is it almost country music? No, it's a it's a fucking weird shade of alternative rock. You need it to sound like you were a bass hitting puberty for like a quick second (laughs) and then going back to it 
<laughs> there were lots of bands that had that fucking sound. Oh my god, dude! Like, well, like, yeah, dude, puddle of mud. Oh yeah, <laughs> she fucking hates me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she won't hate me. I'll need to go, you, you can't control me. I can't control you. You're not the one for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you smack my ass. <laughs> I love the way you wear my hair. Oh, that's fucking funny shit. Oh my god! I, I Google that guy, folks. I think he went fully around the bend and was like accusing people at shows of like, like you're the guy that possessed my house. Because <laughs> he like and stopped like, making payments and the bank repoed his house. I'm like, wasn't Creed the first band to like? be successfully sued by an audience. Oh, that's hilarious. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking sad. I guess, I guess he was like high as fuck during one of his shows. So like, yeah, you can take this motherfucker <laughs> higher. That's the Christian rock way. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe it. Oh, that's fucking cool. What classic. was that? Like my sacrifice. I remember they played that before, like every WWE show. My sacrifice. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna plug in my iPhone, like my iPhone, and listen to some of these old. I'm gonna listen to Lifehouse, Puddle of Mud. Oh shit! <laughs> but then I'm gonna, but then I'm gonna cleanse it with some Matchbox Twenty. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Yo, dude, like, wasn't it? But like when Rob Thomas teamed with Santana, that shit was. Smooth, oh, dude, that fucking man. song was fantastic. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so many people got impregnated that year (laughs) yeah so so yeah uh apple to oranges what's up with that yes we will be working on working on reviewing mythic quest talking about some of the other stuff that's missed jess and i were kind of filling in the meantime we got the synodudes we brought that back it's just the two of us find an excuse to talk to each other um we pick a movie a guilty pleasure movie like encino man fucking street fighter jet one of jess's movie was uh robin hood prince of thieves oh, i fucking love that movie we like you know we kind of do like the countdown like you know we have some banter before we kind of talk about like the production of the movie like cast and then like we're like hey put it on we're gonna hit play in like five seconds we mute it we have the subtitles on and we just kind of like fucking what was it like riff raft or mystery science theater 3000 like yeah we kind of make like we de- like not kind of we definitely make fun of these movies and it kind of leads into like some personal conversations it's like a fly on the wall type of podcast between Two people that just love talking to each other. Fucking awesome, dude. I think my favorite one that we did was Tombstone. Oh, that movie's brilliant. It's so brilliant, but we called it... Somehow, the working title of that episode, I was so fucking... I was in one of my weird, almost bender things. Where, like, I don't know. I called the OK Corral the OK Coralingus. <laughs> fun stuff 
And then Jess did her best Val Kilmer impression. <laughs> That's awesome. Which now it's not. Never mind. <laughs> so check it out, folks. <laughs> you just need Siri to do a Val Kilmer impression now. <laughs> sorry. Aww. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, let's end it on that. That's fantastic. Let's end it on that. Val <laughs> Kilmer is going to come and fuck me up tonight. <laughs> well, thanks, Paul. Love talking with you, buddy. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Starkcast.